Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer is the mind killer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are discussing Frank Herbert's science fiction masterpiece, Dune, and we're doing another road episode. This yeah. time, tell the people, the fine people at home where we are, Nate. We are at Rockaway Brewery. Yeah, in uh, Long Island City, New York. Jimmy, you will notice, is not with us this week because he's off taking care of his whore mother. And we are joined by Evan from Rockaway Brewing. Hi, how's it going, everyone? It is excellent. Great to be here. Thanks again for having us. And oh, thank you so much. So can you tell us a little bit about Rockaway Brewing? Yeah, totally. Um, so the room we're sitting in now, actually, was the original space where we served, and this wall kind of went all the way through. And this is uh, perfect uh, podcast material for people to visualize yeah, a small hear a room, room. explained. <laughs> like the size of a food. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, originally, uh, because of different laws, uh, we could just do growlers, and that was it. Um, and then the rest of it was all brewery. Um, that was uh, in about two, around 2012. Um, and then laws changed. We could uh, serve pints. And then we blew everything out here. Now it's what you see today. We uh, kept expanding. Uh, that, yeah, that was in 2012, and that, w- that actually made us the first brewery in Queens since really? that prohibition. Yeah, very cool. um, wow. yeah. Um, so then it started. They started. Uh, Marcus and Ethan were uh, home brewers out in the Rockaway. Since the name, I know it's, uh, people get confused because we're in Long Island City, and uh, uh, we get that question a lot. Like, why? Why the name Rockaway? And so they they started home brewing out in some bungalows, um, and they made a killer ESB. It got real popular, um, and then uh, you know, it just came to be that they needed a. Uh, place to I actually only found out about Rockaway Brewing in Arburn. Is that where the, there's like another location there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that opened about two, three years ago. Um, yeah, that, that place is really amazing. We, I, I, well. if you, Arburn is a place you only go to on purpose. Like you don't pass through it. I've never <laughs> even heard of it. Like if you look on the map of Queens, it's right next to the old man's face blowing the wind. Like there's not a lot there, I'm saying. And I was, <laughs> Before you fall off the edge. Yeah, like where the know. dragons are. Like, so we were, yeah. we were driving through there, my wife and I, and like there's a sign, a hand-painted sign. There's a picture. It says like fresh beer. Like, this seems like something out of, uh, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Like, this seems yeah. very legitimate. But I went in anyway, and I was like, this it's, is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I went because of, you know, I was just visiting uh, the brewery out there and then got to know the town. It's actually, like, it's like yeah, it's a great area. The people are amazing. Great locals out there. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's going through, I think, with having the brewery out there and, like, a lot of, it, they're doing all sorts of cool events and stuff. And I think uh, it's going to really blow up, especially after, like, having to, uh, pick pick back up after the hurricane and everything, yeah. Yeah, the Rockaways in, like, the surrounding areas, like Arburn and the Broad Channel and stuff like that, are, like, the last places I know of in Queens where, like, people have lived there for several generations, their families, and uh, there's a lot of people who, like, know each other. It's, like, a very, like, old town yeah. feel to it. Hmm. So it's an awesome place for everybody. I was there for, I was there a couple weeks ago for a friend's birthday, and it was, like, everybody there, like, was a cousin, which is kind of hillbilly-ish, but it was... <laughs> It was, uh, it was really cool at the same time. It was an awesome spot. It's like a repurposed like garage or something like that. It looks like it looks like it was like an auto body shop at some point. Yeah, yeah, it was some uh, some sort of factory. Uh, I know more of the history. Th- this building used to be like a, a meat uh, processing plant, so it's like kind of cool. Like all these um, again weird visual cues for the listeners, but there's um, like rails and stuff that go around the. You can like sort of follow them all the way around the building. Um, a lot of men, oh, the, these guys here. They um, that's used to be like where the meat would kind of hang on chains and roll, and they just push them like hundred pound slabs of beef and stuff. Yeah, cows. Uh, quick side question: yeah. Was the now recording sign lit up before? And I just didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm guessing you know, probably not. Uh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, that would be that. We had this that just for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, and we might have just flipped that, but usually it's supposed to be on. At the, yeah. Oh, okay. Now you stop me. I just always we'll assume just it's on there. I never look. Now, the, the brewing for both locations happens here, right? Yes. Yeah, we brew everything out of Long Island. So how much, what's the capacity of the brew house here? 
Uh, well, we do we do a uh, six borough system, um, and yeah, we uh, and we uh, distribute to all five boroughs um, awesome. uh, to uh, different bars and uh, packing stores and stuff all around the. So New York. is brewing happening here like every, pretty much every day? Monday to Friday, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that was actually Joel that I uh, snuck in. And yeah, he's a very talented brewer. Uh, he's just calling it a day now, yeah. So what's the turnaround from bag of greens and boiling water to in the tap? Like, how long does that take? Um, that is a great question. It depends on, hey, here's Joel. He can answer that for you. But he, <laughs> he's on his way out. Um, yeah, that, that I know it depends on, you know, an IPA is going to be a lot quicker. Um, or something yeah, like that. and like loggers are going to need to logger for a bit and stuff. I haven't had much hand-on experience with you know, uh, handling everything taproom wise, curating the lists and um, the board, and making sure all these fine people are happy and smiling and mm-hmm. drinking good beer. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, um, it could be the day, it could be a million years or somewhere in between there. And just, right. I don't know exactly. Somewhere in between, okay. Yeah. Um, but I want to say, yeah, um, I feel like two weeks for an IP is sticking out in my brain for some wow. reason. But, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. A couple of weeks and then. Logger takes me four to six weeks, depending on how long you logger for. So what brought you yeah, how to you get be this an employee gig? at a place like this? Um, I was working out in Brooklyn, um, managing uh, a really great bar over there um, uh, called 61 Local. Um, great people out there. It's in Cobble Hill. It's all local, everything there. I mean, every ingredient that goes into the food is all locally sourced uh, vendors and stuff. And their beer list that they curate as well is all local. Um, so we have, they have a dedicated line to Rockaway out there. And um, it was the... Uh, nitro stout and um, people went bonkers for it there. I mean, rightfully so. It's a really good stout. Um, yeah, and uh, I was ready to um, take on more of a manager role, and uh, it sort of the stars aligned. Right as I, I was thinking that I wanted to, do, you know, work closer with the beer and how everything's made, I got I caught wind of uh, the position here opening, and um, I had, uh, you know, known Marcus and Ethan, uh, their reputation of just being like really solid dudes and great uh, beer slingers, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, God, not slingers. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So, are you a home brewer, or were you a home brewer before you got into this? Um, I've always had the uh, ambition to. I really, but uh, I've, I've been able to be lucky enough to. Having two kids is hard. Um, I had to choose between um, things like that, and, um, keeping my wife, uh, you know, happy. But you mean she doesn't want you to spend an entire day <laughs> in the kitchen, like stinking up yeah. the house with hops and shit? Um, so. I've been lucky enough to be able to surround myself with uh, talented brewers and just uh, benefit from their toiling. <laughs> I'll sample it for you guys. Yeah. It'll be a sounding board for your beer. Yeah. Um, it's been great. By the way, I want to apologize. I, uh, it's so hot, and you caught me guys when I was working, and I'm, like, sweating buckets, and I feel like, I'm like, I hope you save the receipt for these headphones because like, oh. <laughs> I'm just, like, annihilating them with sweat. Well, actually, the, the, our third friend who can't be here today, those are his, so yeah. fuck, fuck him. <laughs> oh, That's fine. We just what's, won't tell him. What's his name? That's Jimmy. 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 Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, That's Jimmy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, there's a little me in these headphones now. It's not as bad as the things that have happened to his mom. <laughs> so um, maybe you could tell us. So you mentioned the ESB. That's the first beer that we have here. Yeah. Which is like the flag. Is that like the flagship beer? Exactly. Because yeah, that's the, the beer that started the beer it all. That started all. That's the beer that. Um, oh, sorry. I got to eat yeah, the you mic. That so you can. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the beer that uh, exactly started it all. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's, uh, nice and malty. Um, that's where they just were homebrew and they they came up with that recipe and um, it gained some steam in the Rockaways and. Yeah, it's, it's really great. It's, like, always one of my go-tos. Whenever someone's like, I don't know, you know, and then if I ask them, like, well, what do you normally drink? And they're like, I, they still don't know. And I'm just like, go ESP. You're going to like it. You know, it's really palatable, and it's not um, extreme. Like, if you're not a, you know, so many beers are, like, just pure hop juice. And, right. Or pure jet black stout. Right? This is, mm. 
has a full body and lots of flavor, but it's not overpowering. We've sampled a lot of the other kind. Yeah, like we usually go for like, so many I'm a size crazy. queen for yeah. beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is very good. This is really nice. I and and, drink a lot and it's also a style you don't see very often. ESBs are extra special bitter. It's a British style. Yeah, the English, uh, not, like, I think, um, I feel like it's, for a while, the English I was like getting a little neglect as like IPAs kind of started booming and everything, and people forgot about just these good, malty, oh, easy yeah. drinking, refreshing beers. I think every craft brewer in the States was like, there's like an arms race to make a bigger, either higher alcohol or hoppier or more intensely brewed beer. You know, like this yeah. has been aged in the barrel of a bourbon barrel inside of a whale or this <laughs> is made exclusively with this hop that only grows one day a year, you know, out of a unicorn's ass. They're like the ridiculous extremes that they advertise. You yeah, know, yeah. This is a 20% alcohol beer or stuff like that. Yeah. The, um, the English styles are much more mild mm-hmm. and so it's kind of hard to yeah, f- nice. compare that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, they're definitely in uh, different ballparks for sure and inside but um yeah not to not to i definitely do appreciate when people go nuts and do those unicorn hops and stuff as much as i'm like hey, this is getting out of hand but this is pretty delicious that's cool it's just like if that's the only thing and then it sort of yeah. comes it doesn't stand out anymore mm-hmm. either, right? yeah. everything's extreme and nothing's extreme right? yeah so when every you know every everything is a triple ipa mm-hmm. or russian imperial stout and it's like yeah they're all just kind of things so this is great beer so how long have you been with uh, rockaway um, I have just been here since uh, I, I'm, I'm the newest edition. I've just, I oh, wow. came out in November. Oh, um, the year. Yeah. And uh, more important question: How much Rockaway beer have you had since you started working here? Most of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, they, their sales have gone down. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> they, yeah, I keep trying to hide the numbers from them. That, that's, it's not a coincidence. Of the that. Here, yeah. <laughs> um, d- daily. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great perk to uh, be able to you know, bring, bring new beers home and fill up a growler at the end of a shift. And, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I don't think that, like, I won't not try a beer. It's, it's, you know, especially if we can, like, right out of the barrel when it's, uh, you know, ready to be kegged and everything, um, we can sample it then. It's, it's, it's really fun to be able to taste it, you know, in that process and when it's just so, so fresh. So of all these beers, which one have you sampled the most of? Hmm. Um, it's got to be ESB, actually, going back to ESB. That's the one that's, we have, yeah, that one's always on. Um, cause, uh, so we've got a couple dedicated lines, and then we do um, monthly one-offs and kind of experiment and, and come up with different recipes, and we'll do, like, limited runs of things. And then um, we do uh, monthly can, like, limited can releases as well. Canning, um, all that happens here, too, at this location? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple bottles at home of uh, Bungalow Nights. Oh, yeah, uh, great beer. Stout. Great beer. Do, do you have the, um, the oaked one as well? I got one of each, yeah. Nice. I actually nice. bought two of each, but I only have one of each now. Oh, no, are you letting them, <laughs> you letting them uh, age a little bit? Or? I mean, I, I don't have the patience to really let them age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the moment I don't have something else to drink, like, that's going to happen. I and mean, maybe in the summer I won't get the big beer to have on a July afternoon or something. Right. Like <laughs> but, uh, you know, those are really good. I'm stay, waiting for the day when, like, I have an escape. Maybe if we could find a book that has a bungalow in it, <laughs> we could have them there and try them side by side. Yeah, I'm trying to, now. I'm like racking my brain. What book has a bungalow? A bungalow or like a beach theme? I mean, that's why. Like that's why we picked today's book. Yeah, which is Dune oh. first. Yeah, I, I shamefully. Uh, I, I I only I'm, I only know the movie. Uh, the the one with Sting or the TV one from like 2003. No, the 84 one. Oh, is it David Lynch movie? Is that yeah, it's yeah. David Lynch. I've never seen it. I haven't either. Oh, really? I've, I've heard extremely like it's either culty favorite kind yeah. of film or like the biggest turd. It's both. Yeah, one of those rare. It, it, can, it can be both. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, book wise, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I unfortunately will not. Uh, no, I'm not a. Well, we'll talk about the book later. But yeah, you, you really don't need to read this. Oh really? That's that's gonna be the moral of today's episode. I'm Quite sure. possibly, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. 
Um, so wait, so you said that's why you picked it? Is what, uh, so oh, because beach, beach, beach yeah. sand, got it. So our shtick every, every week, we, as I'm sure you can, as you've listened to all the episodes, they, uh, we I find... I say yes. Yes. We, we, uh, I'm freaking uh, out right now. That I'm, I can't believe I'm coming here in person. <laughs> Five stars on iTunes uh, anytime you get. But it, we have, um, we pick a book, and we normally record it in my house at the most exclusive bar in Queens, which is Roseanne Bar, which is not a good name to use these days, but oh, no. yeah, that's, that's the name of the bar at yeah. my house. Um, yeah. In the basement. In the bathroom is the John Goodman, which is pretty sweet. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, um, so we're suckers for puns. But So we pick a book, and then the three of us find between three and four beers each, each <laughs> that have something yeah. to do with the book in some way. Yeah. Some connections are better than others. Oh, I love it. So then we'll so, talk about both. So do you, you should get like, uh, someone to spin records in there so you could have the DJ Connor in there. Oh. Fucking double down on the Roseanne puns. Nate doesn't know that one. No, I don't. That's one of the kids. That was the son. Yeah. There's a solid reference. I'm going to pat myself. That was really good. <laughs> that was impressive. Install, you can install a stereo system. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm going I'm to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cut Evan's part out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that same joke next week. <laughs> That's really good. Um, shit. I can't think of the other kids' names. Uh, uh, Sarah Gilbert is Becky. The, you got uh, Becky and then Darlene. Darlene. Well, none of them have names anymore. That's true. They were all back on the unemployment line. <laughs> yep. Uh, Thanks uh, to Ambien. Rest in peace, Roseanne. Yikes. Or yeah, is, well, Roseanne's career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she'll be back. <laughs> like chlamydia. So, um, so the the original ESP that is a strange choice for a flagship beer. Mm-hmm. It's like a bullet just because everyone else's is an IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, pre- that's pretty cool to do something different. It's delicious. Yeah, they, uh, uh, it went away really fast. Um, oh, that's a good sign, right? It's, uh, so yeah, there's actually, actually in, uh, in the beginning there was a strong English uh, theme to to the recipes that they were they were doing, um, and uh, they still they still come up in you know ESPs. Uh, here to stay, but you know, since then we've definitely all sorts of pale ales and IPAs and you know Belgians on and yeah, the, the grisette. Yeah, that's a, that's really great. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna really there. like that. And the Irish stout, which means it's it's an unemployed stout, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's Catholic. It's a stout in favor of abortion now. <laughs> oh, ouch! Progressive yeah. stout. Progressive. Yeah. Since you're here, why don't you tell us about this other beer? We yeah, have this stays on. Which, what which is, one I can't is this, remember. by the way? I don't even um, know. Are you drinking the M Bell? Number two. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. That's a great bar. Uh, really, really nice. Um, it's got, you know, like, like, strong on, like, the lemony notes, nice yeasty, like... It's sort of, like, peppery yeah. kind of flavor in there. We just hooked that up, actually. It's super, super fresh. Yeah. Is, so, uh, you mentioned before there are dedicated lines. What are the, dedic- what are the ones you could always expect to find? So, yeah, ESB and 1875. Um, ESB, we're definitely always going to have. 1875 pretty much is always here. That's our pale ale. Um, and that's actually named after... Am I jumping ahead now? No. Um, that's actually named after a... Um, the fir- uh, first uh, railway that went from uh, like mainland Rockaways in 1875, they built that line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's, you know, try to pepper in some history the here and there. Queens Railroad. <laughs> That's the last time they actually updated the rails there, probably. <laughs> 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 and then we've got the we've always got the stout on the nitro stout. The black uh, yeah, and then uh, pretty much those are the those are the dedicated lines on right now. And then we've got like a semi dedicated like to the Rockaway IPA or signature IPA. Which would definitely be happy to crack some cans for you too. I'd love for you guys to try like our signature IPA. Oh, well, you twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was. I'm trying to think. I've been. I've been to this location maybe twice now. I came here in December when the Bungalow Nights came out. Mm-hmm. Like, super, I was a huge stout fan. I was like, awesome. Yeah. And I came here, and I had pneumonia, so I couldn't taste anything. Oh no! <laughs> but I'm like, I have to go. My wife was like, all right, whatever. Because uh, my parents were staying with us for <laughs> Christmas, and she was like, anything to get the fuck out of the house. I'll take you, should be hospitalized, husband, to get beers. Wow. Just to get away Long from Island your mother. That's <laughs> dedication. Yeah, I mean, we live in Queens, but like getting here, I mean, Long Island City, getting here from uh, Kew Gardens is not the, the easiest. Oh, yeah. But any, I mean, by mass transit, it's a pain in the gonads, but. 
yeah, yeah, the Forgotten Borough. But <laughs> uh, I remember I definitely have had the Beach. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, uh, we're we're actually canning that uh, tomorrow. We're gonna release that. That's gonna be a limit, nice limited can run, along with a um, we we're gonna come out with a Berliner Weiss called Ringer. Um, and so yeah, we're we're doing a double can release on Saturday. And uh, so every month we do we typically do one limited can, but. Uh, it's the second time June we've special. fucked up our timing on can releases. Yeah. <laughs> if I, yeah, I wish, uh, usually, usually we can, like, um, we're canning like the day before, which is going to be a nice uh, stress-free day, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, if we, usually we'll, we would have had them by now. I would have totally sent oh, you guys no, along no. with some, but yeah, we're canning tomorrow. No worries. We, we were at uh, Finback in April, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, they were like, oh yeah, we're our crazy bourbon barrel stout. It's like, that sounds amazing. When's that happening? We're bottling it tomorrow. It's like, yeah. awesome. Oh, you keep, yeah, just. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be great. Yeah. I had to go back and buy one, like a schlub. <laughs> uh, well, we, we won't label you a schlub, but please, we would oh, love no, to have you come back, and I will uh, throw no, you guys I've, some cans. I've, for some reason, I've been to the Arbor location a bunch of times, maybe just because I have a lot of uh, hillbilly friends that live out in the Red Barn. <laughs> go out there for, for events. But yeah, I, I was out there, and I met, like, and the owner was just, like, hanging out there. I met Marcus. Marcus, yeah. He's a totally cool dude, and I was like, hey, I was, like, really drunk. I was like, I have a podcast, and we want to do beers at the, your beer place. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, and then I told him the name of the podcast, like the Drunk Guys Book Club, and he just exclusively for the rest of the night called me the Drunk Guy, <laughs> which was true on a bunch of levels. <laughs> yeah, Marcus is chill. It sounded, so when I it talk, sounds like a com- Marcus conversation. Yeah, like weeks later, I was texting with him, and he's like, Who, oh, the Drunk Guy, that's right. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm a professional. <laughs> but this is, you know, I gotta say, I'm usually not a fan of Saison's. I usually kind of like, I don't know. It has weedy. a little bit of sour in it, but it's not so overpowering. Like yeah, there's like sour. a bit of funk or something, but mm-hmm. it's not extreme. But it's fine. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's enough to, to make, make it interesting for me. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, Brewers definitely. Um, yeah, I mean Belgians definitely have the risk of getting super funky to like just make your whole face pucker. And yeah. like, um, I've been really impressed with they're, they're so those guys are so talented. Like they, every time they do a Belgian, it's like so it's like really nicely balanced and and just like um, you can settle into it and just feel refreshed. Yeah, that is a really that's a really good like hot day beer right there like yeah mow the lawn kind of thing yeah yeah you're d- we're definitely gonna see the um the board start to shift into um lawn care style beers um just oh. as it gets hotter fertilizer stout <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it's like the grisette we had in mind for that and of course we're canning the berliner weiss so it's gonna be a lovely brunch beach lawn <laughs> lawn whatever anything with sun out there I'm looking forward to it we'll, we'll be back yeah it's a uh, fresh apricot it's gonna be good as they said in that other desert sci-fi movie They'll be back in greater numbers. That's the Sand People from Star Wars, who are clearly (laughs) the fucking Freemen or whatever they're called in Dune. Yeah, sure. The Sand Bedouins that (laughs) live on Dune. Well, they didn't sound like walruses. No. (laughs) Missed opportunity, Frank Herbert. (laughs) So the beers are great. And I see there's also some ciders. Is that just like, do you guys make that or is that just like a That's from the the wonderful uh, people at Descendant. Um, Yeah, we do uh, for people that, you know, uh, come in and maybe need a a break or, you know, from, from the beer to switch to a cider real quick. Or we have, you know, some people that tag along with their group of friends but don't necessarily drink beer and we offer cider. Um, and, yeah, Descendant, they're, they're so awesome. Uh, cider drinkers out there, um, if you haven't had Descendant cider, uh, try it out. They're great. We're going to have to try to... Uh, More local. Mm-hmm. Local beers. And then, yeah, we also um, we carry a, a Van Brunt Stillhouse, uh, their bourbon and rye, oh. um, which is really excellent there out of Red Hook. Um, they're, they make a great whiskey, and they're the sweetest people. Same with Descendant. They're all dolls. It's very cool. It's like a very like chill vibe here, and very mm-hmm. like, this is a hip place to come to. It's not very big, so it's like intimate 
you could hang out and like yeah totally yeah yeah the, yeah the other like the the Rockaway Beach location is uh, it's like massive it's uh, really big and, and then yeah an so we have space. yeah it's interesting to have like both vibes so we can have like a nice like like nook kind of place here tasting room style and then out there it's kind of like go big or go home the events are like huge and they have like just crazy blowout events and super fun stuff but then you know if you go on like a beach day and you know then you could, then it's just chill and hanging out and um, so it's, that that place is kind of able to morph into to to what the day needs to be. Does your work ever bring you out there? You're really just exclusively here. I'm actually headed out there tomorrow, oddly enough. But it's been a while. Yeah. Because you quality control test all <laughs> of the beers there. Yeah, make make sure everything's still delicious. Yeah, yeah. I, I head out there every once in a while. It's, uh, cool. it's nice to nice to travel. Do you ever get to come up with ideas for beers and um, get not, them made? Not recipes. I mean, they're, the the brewers, you know, like uh, they're great. They're just like, oh, we got to get you, like, you know, come up with something. To help with. Um, they've been saying that, and I've been chickening out because, you know, a lot of pressure. But like, obviously, they've helped me because I don't know exactly what I'm doing. But um, name wise, they they're really collaborative, and they're always like asking me to come up with help come up with. Names. So, what beers have you named? Let's see. The one I think that passed was uh, Mardi Gras. We did a Mardi Gras beer. I believe it was called. I remember it had the word rouge in it because it was an amber. Baton splooge. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That was it. Not, not come here, rouge. Um, Probably not it. Uh, it's, uh, you chose that. You chose very badly. <laughs> you don't want that in the, in the brew pole pot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but no, we do. And then a lot of times, like, uh, one of the things I do love collaborating on is uh, when we can, we, put, we print little above the barcodes, uh, like little things, um, just like little messages to everybody. Um, so we always like collaborate. Those are always fun, which if people don't know, like, when you get cans, like especially limited run cans, flip them over and see what it says. Usually the breweries will have some weird little like message that no one I've, knows about. I've started noticing that. The guy at Finback told us about that. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have noticed. I've, I've never yeah. looked at the bottom of the can. <laughs> yeah, we did one called... It's pointing away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did one called Hawaiian Pizza, and I was, I was bummed. This one got rejected. Everybody loved it, and then they, they kiboshed it at the last minute. But I, I, I was happy with it, but it was, we did uh, Hawaiian Pizza, and there was two boars on the front. So I was like, oh, let's write that. will do big on the, the bottom of the can. And then um, it didn't You're like, that happen. won't do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that's a, yeah, definitely start flipping over your, the cans and reading little messages, little secret. <laughs> That'll do big. It was too boring. Ooh, Ooh. nice. That was hamming up over here. Oh, man. Yeah. This guy's good. Yeah. You just wait till we get started on our ridiculous tangents of like cheese puns or something like that. <laughs> it's happened more than once on the show. Cheese puns, I love it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so many of them. So, um,. <laughs> What uh? What the hell was Hawaiian pizza about? Was it like a ham and pineapple beer? Um, it was it was super big on uh, pineapple notes, so it was like really it's it's so good. Um, it was an IPA, um, and uh, see, oh, I have a can over there. The can oh. came out awesome. It looks super super red. It's that one next to yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, um, the can art was done by um someone who works works here. She's like an amazing artist. Her name's Lauren Reimer. She goes by at Rimey on Instagram. Um, she did both those cans are are. Uh, last two IPAs. Um, she'll likely be doing more. She's super awesome, so you, should, you guys should check her out. She just do art for you guys, but she do. No, other... she yeah, she's behind the bar as well. Oh, and cool. then um, and then by trade, she's just an uh, artist. Very cool. Um, not just an artist. Just an artist. <laughs> she's she's an artist. So an artist. Yeah. But um, yeah, she does really amazing uh, work. It's important with the the craft beers to have a distinctive label that stands out. There's just so many now. Yeah. It, it, you know. No, exactly. You gotta have something like eye catching. Yeah. I can see from here. I see those cans over there. They're very cool. Yeah, yeah. Those and they it's they moved really fast. And I mean, partly because they're, they're uh, like a lot of because they're they were super delicious, amazing IPAs. But um, also like, why wouldn't you want those cans? <laughs> they look awesome. I've definitely bought beers for shittier artwork <laughs> and shittier beer. Um, yeah. Cool. So if you come in here, like on a, how, how long does a beer, 
like the one-off beers? How long do those stick around for? We like to aim to have everything cleared out for the next uh, doo doo. Doo doo. Doo doo. That is the tone of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about books. Yeah, what if it, believe me. <laughs> yeah, um, We're smart. It'd be weird if I just randomly was just like trailed off and I was just like doo doo. Um, <laughs> we know. Doo doo. Yeah, just, <laughs> nice. Um, to, to, to real estate in the fridge. Um, so we need you know, to make room for. Uh, this is becoming another coupon now when I say make room for. Uh, do, do we you need don't to want that have can number two still. <laughs> <laughs> stuck in the can. Um, so, yeah. I'd uh, like to have you know, everything move in a month. Because um, they're, they're you know, limited edition, so people are excited about them. I'm thinking about movements right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was right. trying to come up with something. It's like, what did the, uh, why did the linguist have to run to the bathroom? He had a vowel movement. <laughs> oh, it's a good dad joke. Um, what about the things that are on tap only? Do those stick around very long? Like, um, depends on, you know, if we do like a five barrel, 10 barrel, like run on them. Um, but those will move quite quick just because, you know, it's on tap. A lot of people are coming through and um, uh, running through that, like a five barrel. Five barrel is 10 kegs, right? That's uh, roughly, yeah. So, like, you're going to, um, yeah, you're going to run through that pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we distribute um, actively uh, in cans. The, um, we have a dedicated, um, like, our signature cans that go out. Um, so, we have uh, American Pills, uh, the Rockaway IPA and the ESB, and then uh, we do those in the kegs as well, as well as the Pale Ale 1875. Um, I'm really hoping to can that soon, and we're trying to talk about that to get that as like a uh, dedicated um, can that'll be distributed. And then we do the one-offs, uh, like we had um, the M-Bell, the Saison that, was, that you guys tried, that was going around for a little bit, so we send the, some of the one-offs to the distributor as well and get them circulating through the bars and stuff. Where does that name M-Bell come from? Does that mean something? Um, that's from the yeast. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so it's, it's a play off the Bell yeast. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the the stout, of course, is something that we uh, always send out to the black, black old. Yeah. So that's that's you can find that various bars. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Um, nice. uh, yeah. This is. This Why don't you thing. tell us like your Facebook, Twitter, yeah, the, the, your social, where, where people can find you on the internet? I'm yeah. I'm most active um, on Instagram, um, and it's at the Talking Show, which is a monthly show I host um, at Come On Everybody. Um, and each show kind of benefits a different charity chosen by one of the comedians. And we've had um, a lot of great acts on upon Nanshala, um, uh, Kevin Barnett, and Joe Firestone, and like a bunch of uh, huge people. Michelle Bouteau has been on, and um, it's a really fun show. So, do you do comedy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, for. Somebody's killing it with the dad <laughs> jokes. Yeah, you got it. Um, yeah, so yeah. Um, awesome. How about for um, uh, Rockaway, where people should go to check it out, besides obviously coming into the tap room itself? Um, for information? Yeah, so, yeah, our Instagram, Rockaway Brew Co. Um, and then we have um, RB Co. Uh, Beach for the beach location. Awesome. Um, and we're quite active on there. So, yeah, come check it. We have lots of events and food pop-ups and um, keep, keep you updated on um, all the beers coming out. And then uh, rockawaybrewingco.com uh, is the website. Fantastic. Highly recommend cool. it. Thanks um, so much, Evan. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. All right, well, Evan had to leave us, so this is a good time for us to actually start talking about the fucking book. What do you think of it, Nate? We want to start with that? Yeah, this book has a big reputation. People love this book. They do. I know people who love this book. I really tried to like it. Me too. I really did try to like it. I've seen people carrying It's a big book. The paperback is like 800 pages or some ridiculous amount of pages. And I've seen, I remember seeing coworkers and acquaintances carrying it around every once in a while, and you go, oh, you're, reading, you're actually reading Dune? And the answer, the response was always, it's so good. It's amazing. Really? All right. Mm-hmm. I guess I should read that at some point. It is. I think I read on Wikipedia today. It is the highest That's selling. That's how you know it's true. Sci- yeah, th- th- this has to be true. It is the highest selling science fiction book or series of all time. 
Well, can you think of a better selling one? I mean, I totally, I totally believe like that. science fiction? That's pure, not, not fantasy. Now, I'm going to argue that this isn't really a science fiction book. It's a fantasy book, so therefore that, that title doesn't count. I mean, that uh, record doesn't count, but mm-hmm. in terms of science fiction, no. No. The famous series or what, like Foundation, iRobot? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's individually famous sci-fi books like Neuromancer. By uh, William Gibson and um, I mean, and if you count the novelization Fahrenheit, of the Matrix, if you count Fahrenheit or uh, 1984, yeah. Brave New World, those are all science. Those like single books have probably sold more single copies than maybe a single Dune book, but but those might not count as full sci-fi books either. Mm-hmm. But there's a shit ton of Dune books. Like Frank Herbert wrote this one in 1965, and he wrote he himself wrote probably like four or five sequels, and then his son wrote another like I don't know how many five or six, and then I think there's someone else writing sequels now. Like there's a ton of them. They're still being made. Or one came out like two years ago. Jesus. Yeah. Space Jesus. <laughs> it, it, there's a shit ton of them. Space Muhammad. We will uh, get back to that. We have another beer in front of us here. We're, we're working our way through the eight beers they have on tap at Rockaway Brewing. And they have another four or five things in bottles and cans here. That is my goal that we drink all of those. Nate we'll try. Is considering that goal. Fear is the mind killer, Nate. So, <laughs> you no. mean beer is the mind killer? <laughs> maybe that's why maybe, I have to go to work tomorrow. Maybe it's both. This book, this book, this beer is number three on tap. This is called 1875, which we now know why it's called that. This one? Uh, Yes. Mm, No. That wasn't my recollection of what they were poured out as, but. No, 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 no. I I think I grabbed the wrong one. No, I think you're right. You're right. This is, this is, this, not that you can fucking see anything. This is 1875. This listeners, not the other one, (laughs) is the 1875. And it is a citrusy pale ale. It is the second strongest thing on offering here. Not super strong beers here. This is only 6% alcohol. And I I really do mean only 6% because in craft beer world, 6% is like a session beer practically. Mm -hmm. It's crushable. Crushable. That sweet puss. Yeah, Jimmy's not here to make those comments. I'm going to have to double down on it. Yeah. Carry... My normal amount of ridiculous bullshit I say that gets cut out of the episode and Jimmy's, especially the second half when Nate does the editing. <laughs> so this is a citrusy pale ale. What do you think? It's nice. It's a citrusy pale ale. I yeah. definitely get the citrus out of that. Uh, I'm assuming that's a hop thing that probably 20 years ago this could have been called an IPA. But now because mm-hmm. in every yeah. IPA has six pounds of hops per square inch, this just isn't quite hoppy enough to count that. If you call it an English IPA, it probably could pass for that. It's a great beer. Well, they said their uh, history is with uh, English, English styles. English yeah. styles, so. So they it's probably the, their the, goal. S- the sun never sets on this beer. <laughs> it's a really good beer. It's very nice. It's not extreme, which for me is usually boring. Maybe because it's like super fresh and on tap from the place. Like it's traveled, you know, eight feet to get it from where it was brewed to my mouth. Yeah. Maybe that makes it a little nicer. But it's actually a really good beer. So Dune takes place ten, you know, eight thousand years in the future. Like like you're ten thousand and something. Yeah. In the Dune planet. Yeah. So the whole like oh. universe. So first, there's a lot of things. First of all, the whole universe of Dune, not only is it in the future, but it is a feudal society. But each... And mercantilism. Right. <laughs> but each house... No, it's actually, that, that predates mercantilism, oh, by the way. I know it does, but uh, this is like a colony system, isn't it? It's, it's actually not a colony system so much as like a, like each separate, each planet is a separate kingdom. Or, well, you know, except then there's an emperor. So I guess it's more like each house is its own... Well, maybe each house, they're like feudal lords, essentially. Yeah, they're all feudal okay. lords. I'll take, it, I'll take feudalism. Well, there is trade. It doesn't quite fit. It doesn't quite fit mercantilism. That, but like feudalism wasn't really about trade either. I mean, it was about no. like local trade. Like you trade from your farm to the king or like the lord. And liked it. And that was it. That's <laughs> and then he traded. fucked your wife on your wedding night. That never really happened. I know. He didn't wait till the evening. <laughs> <laughs> the king does not wait. Anyway, so it is futuristic sci-fi, but it is a feudal society where each, what they're, they're called houses, like basically, like royal houses, like, like family a, lines, yeah, mm-hmm, like nobility, 
like a noble house, owned their own planet. And where we pick up with the main characters, which is the house of Atreides. The Greek house. Yep. Mm -hmm. They have been given? No, well, they've just moved from one planet to the other planet. Yeah, and they went from this, like, lush jungle planet Mm -hmm. to the sand turd planet. Oh, (laughs) Dune. Dune, like, nothing lives there. Maybe in the 800 pages it was explained and I missed it. Or maybe it's in the future books that I have no intention of reading. But it's not really clear. Like, maybe were they, like, punished? Are they outmaneuvered by other houses? Like, how did they get demoted? Is it a promotion? I'm not sure because... It was, according to the plot, it is a... It is a plot by the emperor and their and House Atreides' arch enemy, the House Harkonnen, to basically fuck them over. Yeah. But they were given ownership of the Spice Planet, which is the most valuable planet. So it looked like a big upgrade for them. But it was scary. Uh, with your on character. the Spice Planet. <laughs> <laughs> and the royal houses are quite posh. Quite posh, yeah. I'm trying to think of their other names. I can't think. I'll of get them in there. Don't worry. I'll interrupt you with the other ones. I know them all. This is so, not the first time we've done this. <laughs> so anyway, don't be a baby. We, we were instructed by Jimmy too, who couldn't be here. Oh, thank you. We were instructed by Jimmy to make as many Spice Girls jokes as we could. So two, you may, you two, may hear three down. Yeah. And so if, anyway. you, if you've heard our show, you know we will make them any without Jimmy's instructions to do that. We didn't have to be told. Uh, so anyway, we're very sporty. Uh, House Atreides was just given ownership of the Spice Planet, which looked like an upgrade for them. The Spice World. <laughs> the Spice World. It was the Spice World. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was totally the shitty sequel. No, that was. That anyway. was the only movie those turds made. It was their totally their second act because they had that one big album and that one big song. Yes. You know. I'm where are they? <laughs> you don't even know it, do you? We won't know. I, I I know exactly what it's called, but I was going to save the listeners and not get it stuck in their head by saying its name. So I was going to. It's avoid like Beetlejuice. That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too many times. I won't do it. Okay. Uh, uh, don't worry. I will later. I got plenty of Spice Girl jokes ready. <laughs> so they have so, to take over the Spice Planet. Now, why is a Spice Planet? So Spice is the most important commodity in the galaxy. The melange spice? And I'm not even exactly sure what spice is. It smells like cinnamon, and it comes out of the sand, right? Like, that's that, what you that's know all about the, That's really all we know. And, and you, like, mine it, sort of? Like, you dig it out yeah, or like you sift it out, it out of the sand? sand. You, avoid the, you avoid the sandworms while you do it, and we'll get back to that later. But And if people, if they ingest it, if they eat it, um, right? It's highly addictive. It's yeah. highly, not they highly make it like a, a liquor out of it, uh, the spice liquor, a liqueur. And not only is it highly addictive, but it gives your mind superpowers. And so it apparently, so not only does the main character become like, you know, Neo in the Matrix, but um, <laughs> he also. He learns Kung Fu. Right. Uh, apparently, through this super mind capability that people can have when they eat, when they eat spice or drink spice or whatever it is, the pilots of the can do faster than light travel on the ships. So it's literally like. If it wasn't for spice, there would not be an inter- interstellar civilization that they're living in. Like, it, you couldn't get, because, you know, physics, you can't actually get from one planet to another in a human lifetime without some other, like, crazy stuff. So this spice is how they, is how they do it. So it is literally necessary, not only for the people there to live, because they're so addicted, but also for the whole civilization to run. And I did not get that from the book. I didn't either, you but must I be some did sort of get it from Wikipedia that I read this morning. You must I'm be... Like, oh, I picked that up. I swear I did read this book. Some I sort promise. of sage... <laughs> to know all that about the spice? No? <laughs> must be some sort of rosemary to know all that. <laughs> oh, wait, I mean, we could just keep peppering our conversation with spice buns, but instead, let's take out this other beer, which is probably the closest direct connection. I mean, we picked this because Rockaway, like Rockaway Beach, beaches have sand, and they are in dunes, mm-hmm, therefore yeah. dune. This beer is called Da Beach. Uh, it's funny, only weeks before we picked this book, we had a conversation where we're like, fuck dune, we're never doing dune. Yep. And then it's like, oh, Rockaway? Oh, fuck, okay, I guess we're going to have to do Dune. They said, like, you know, we always kind of go for these on-the-road shows. We go backwards and, like, hey, can can you let us do our thing there? And then they say, if we have a beer, a book in mind, we'll say it. But 
Rockaway, I happened to run into the owner. And I was fucking drunk. And I was like, I leave the thing. And he was like, all right, whatever. And then he's also like, what does this have to do with books again? I was like, oh, but we'll... F- We're not really sure either. Uh, books, uh, uh, beers. So he, fortunately, maybe he was also drunk, and he was like, that sounds like a great idea. But we are here nevertheless. So this other beer, The Beach, is a sessionable summer IPA, and it is crisp and tropical, according to the board. At 4%, 4.8% alcohol, and it's totally sessionable. Totally. It is a very nice, light IPA. Yeah, that is really I delicious. And I'm sure it is also very fresh. Oh, yeah. Considering it only had to travel 10 feet. It is a really good whole beer. Commute. It's way better than my commute from here home is going to be. Yeah, mine's worse. It's true. Well, we might be doing the Brooklyn show at some point. So. Sweet. If you're a brewery owner and you'd like to let some drunk guys sit in your place, I mean, that's kind of what you do. And drink your, drink your beer. Yeah. We, we, we're also willing to pay for our own beers. But we're, we're happy to not pay for them. <laughs> hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah. Say no more. So Paul is the main character of Dune. So Paul is the son. So so the House Atreides, there's like the Duke who is the head of House Atreides. He's the father. Leto. Yeah. Or Leto, huh? I have no idea. Uh-huh. Um, so he's he's the father and he's sort of been, you know, he's been the you know, he's been the father for a long not just the father, he's been the head of the house for a long time and he's like organized all this stuff and Paul is his son and he's only fifteen when the book starts. And so he's been trained his whole life to basically take over, but he's also been trained in all this random witchcraft stuff, which we now have to introduce also, because it's kind of a big part of the book. It's no, like, the most important thing is yeah. his mom, Jessica. Can we talk about their names for a second? They're f- in, like any other fantasy book or sci-fi book, whatever that we're calling this at the moment, most of the names or all the names in those books are usually made up. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Frodo and Samuel and Gimli and... Samwise. Sam, whatever the fuck his name is. We didn't do that yet, or did we? Or who, who Tyrion knew? or Cersei. Or sure, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, Joffrey wasn't that? I, yep, I still haven't actually read Game of Thrones. The names in this are really weird because there's certain names that are like that sounds vaguely Arab, you know, mm-hmm. like that sounds vaguely Japanese. And then, and, and, and then it's like Paul and Duncan Idaho. <laughs> like yeah. that sounds like a type of potato. It like, does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Doctor Yue, which is clearly an Asian name, but the majority of it has like a vague Arab feel, you know. Yep. Shaddam and. Uh, who the fuck are the other? Hara and Esmar and Staban. Like they all yeah. look like vaguely Moorish names or something. And Which then there's Paul. An accident. He did that on purpose. Of course, but then there's also like just Paul and Jessica in the yeah. middle of that. It, was, it struck me as weird. Yeah. It just like when you scan through the page, those names stuck out in a weird way. Because for an epic, futuristic sci-fi fantasy book, you don't expect the main character to be named Paul. Yeah, it's such a boring name. But may- this came out in 1965. Maybe he was a big Beatles fan. Quite possible. Maybe the Dune 2 features, like, a sandworm named Ringo. <laughs> so Paul is the heir presumptive of um, House Atreides. Yep. All right. And so... And shit goes down. And there's, like, they're in, in the sort of the very beginning of the book, their, how their family is literally, like, moving into the palace and learning about the new culture that they're living in, the culture of the Fremen. Fremen, yeah. The sand people. Um, the space... Uh, I've, I've been coming up with all sorts of names for them. It's like the... This, the uh, space Bedouins is what I was calling them in my head. Yeah, that's kind of what they are. So they're moving in and learning about it, but the other stuff you have, we have to talk about is the magic, which is the reason why, one of the reasons why this is totally a fantasy book and not really sci-fi is because the mother is, the, is named Jessica, is a member of this secretive society that have like superpowers, mm-hmm. sort of, of all women, and they're called the Bene, Bene Gesserit. Yeah. Just a red? I don't know. I, I, say, I, yeah. think, I think it was a soft G. It was a soft G. They have, like, you sort of introduced right in the beginning. This is literally how the book opens, you know, with Paul is getting his test. Yeah, he has to put his hand in a box. Test. Not his mom's box. Yeah, right. I just 
That's anyway. what he has to do. He has to, he has to, he has to fist the box. <laughs> like, this is going to hurt you a lot. <laughs> and he just does that. Yep. And that is an important thing that happens because apparently men are not supposed to be able to handle stuff like that. But he has been trained for this since the womb when his yep. mother decided to have a male child. Mm-hmm. When she's supposed to have a female child, but she didn't because there's a prophecy about the one. Neo. Yeah, named Neo. Nope, the one named Paul, who, who is, had the title called a... Oh, the, weird the, ass, the Kwisatz word. Haderach or something Haderach. like that. Yeah, something and like that. It, it, it looked stupid Quasis, on the page. Kwisatz Haderach. Haderach. Something like that. Anyway, fucking dumb who name. is like prophesied to be the one who is supposed to be a man who can still do all these superpowers that only this, only the women in this, you know, Wiccan society are supposed to be able to do. They're actually called witches in the book multiple times. So, But that's usually by their critics. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, that one thing, though, like about the, the spice making your mind super amazing, there are characters who are trained in some sort of, or they're born, um, I wasn't sure, as mentats. Mentats. That they're special, like... But my mentat is dead. Yeah, that they're like special mental abilities, and mm-hmm. Paul is also one of those. And that, so that he has this combination of mentat abilities, witch training, and white privilege that's going to make him into the space messiah. Mm-hmm. And a sword fighting. Yeah, yeah. Or dagger fighting. Yeah, it's that too. From, from, was that from Duncan? Yeah. Duncan, Idaho, teach him how to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How to, how to like plant potatoes and just <laughs> <start> to duel. <laughs> With a knife. So those are, that's like the, the main character. Mm-hmm. The main characters. And there's like the dad, not so important, spoiler, uh, because he's going to get killed by, um, well, he's in this elaborate thing. Yeah, really elaborate plot. So what happens is the family is betrayed by one of their loyal sort of um, he's the doctor. advisors. Yeah, he's the doctor. He decides to betray them and where they're going to die because... A lethal prostate exam. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's one way to go. That's a big sandworm you put in there, doctor. <laughs> so Dr. Yue. And then it, it's, he's, he's, it's weird. We should rewind. Every chapter starts with this little quote from one of a couple of different books that yeah, aren't I skipped real. most of those. Sorry, I'm a bad reader, I know, but I just couldn't do it. How dare you have a book podcast? <laughs> it's great shame to this house. So um, This barrel we're drinking over. <laughs> we are literally using a barrel as a table. Since we've asked you to picture everything else about this room, so <laughs> picture a barrel and, and two guys sitting around yep, it. Yep, great podcast material. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, every chapter starts with a little epigram, epigraph, epigraph rather, of, um, from a couple of different things. One is like the history of Maudib, Maudib, or whatever his name is. Yeah. How, do you, how do you say that? Maudib. Maudib. Um, by Princess Irulan, or whatever the hell her name is, or who is probably important in later books. Yeah, she's not but really important not really in, this. in this one. But it's clear that she's going to be important later on. Mm-hmm. By the way, like Herbert totally planned to write a whole bunch of books. I heard that this book was turned down by a crazy number of publishers. This is one I of can't of, imagine why. Yeah, right. Hey, you want to read my 800-page book about space and spices and fucking witches and space? Like, oh, f- no. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have these little things, and, and they're all written after the action of the book is taking place. Mm-hmm. So they're like... They, like, predict what's happening, or they, they, they relate to what is about to happen in the chapter. And as you get further into the book, they make more sense. And I'm sure that's a very literary thing to do, but I wasn't really into the book, so I just wanted to get through it. I, I, they're mostly short enough that you could read them, but they're like... The thing is, like, they're like and then there was the traitor, Dr. Yue, that son of a bitch... Fuck him. And mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of them are about that. And that's the beginning of the chapter where you find out how bad he is. He has this ridiculous plan to betray Duke Leto and he... But yet use Duke Leto, Leto or Leto, whatever his I name is, to actually kill the head of the house 
Harkonnen who has come in and invaded and tried to take them over. Vla- and did take them over. With the guild's help. Yeah, exactly. With the guild's help by implanting a poison tooth in his mouth. Yeah, so... so and he did it because Har- the House Harkonnen, like, tortured his wife. So Vladimir Harkonnen is the, is the baron? Yeah, he's, baron? He's, he's the baron of the enemy house. Yeah, and he's a fat fuck who has the most ridiculous... The most scientific thing about the book besides space travel is that he's so fat, he has... Things that help hold his fat up so he doesn't have to actually walk with his full fat ass weight. He has suspensors that hold his fucking flab up, mm-hmm. which is, like, I'm picturing what that must have looked like. Like, yep. it's he's like, so fat he needs anti gravity technology or he'll die. Like, a, like, he has like a hula hoop that pro, you know, propels against the ground underneath his gut. And he must be shaped like a butt plug at that <laughs> point. So he, you know, Dr. Yue wants to kill that guy and he knows that he's like, going to be remembered as a traitor, and he knows that he's going to be killed by the Baron as soon as he's done helping the Baron, because the Baron's a like, comically evil character. But he's like, you know what? Fuck them. I need to know for sure if my wife is dead, because it's not even clear. And if I find out one way or the other, I want this is my best chance to kill that guy. So kind of respect that a little bit. A little bit. It was still very contrived. It's Well, yeah. Um, I mean, they live on a planet made of cinnamon spice that makes you fly through time faster. So like, mm-hmm. It makes your thing. mind... Fly through time faster. Whatever that fucking means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what he does is he, Dr. Yue, like, helps, he lets the other guards in the, what the hell are they called? The Saduar car? Sadukar? Sorry. Yeah, they're like the fucking Imperial badass troops. Mm-hmm. Let's them in to capture everybody, and he knocks out the Duke, and he replaces his tooth with a fake tooth filled with gas, a gaseous poison that when it's bit down, it'll release and kill everybody in the and room. And basically tells Leto... Oh, by the way, when you, when the Baron Harkonnen actually goes to talk to you, just bite down on this, and, and we'll all die. And he'll die, too. Yeah, he's like, you're going to definitely die. You're going to die no matter what you do, man. So at least take that fat fucker with you. Right. You'll want to do that and do that for both of us. Which and he does. He does bite down on the thing, and the Baron doesn't die. No. So it all was for naught. Yep. But Dr. Yue does help Paul and Jessica escape, mm-hmm. and he leaves a note he's explaining totally it. evil. Yeah, he's like, no, I, I just needed this very elaborate plan to get revenge for my wife. My you bad. guys are fine. Yeah. So Paul and Jessica, basically, instead of being, you know, head of the whole house and with all these servants and a personal army, now they literally flee into the desert by themselves on a helicopter. An ornithopter, as it was called. Which is basically a helicopter. It's, yeah, it's clearly a helicopter. In 10,000 <laughs> so years, they don't think of a much different, different name than ornithopter. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they have to, like, they perform magic spells on the pilots to let them out and some some like really oh yeah the, well the thing is like if you're up in it just jizzeret or whatever they're called you could you could just say a word with the exact right inflection and it'll it'll convince weak-minded people it's like the force mm-hmm. it'll, yeah. but but before the force like, was a thing not the droids you're looking for yeah yeah you That's just exactly say it with the, with the right inflection they don't have to move your hand in that yeah <laughs> that, that thing you don't want to sell me death sticks but they have but it's what gets annoying after a while is every time they do this the narrator has to be like, and she thought of the exact right inflection, so he would know tranquility and trustingness. And then she said, tomato sandwich. And then like, <laughs> they were like, oh, I will let you go. <laughs> but it's, it's that level yeah, of that, stupid. That, that's what it does. Uh, and then so they're out in the desert, and so Jessica, Paul and Jessica you know, are out in the desert. I'm trying to think of another book with Paul and Jessica in it or another show. It has to be. Um, but those are just so plain of... names, nobody even bothers to do that. No, like they're boring as fuck names. Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, they meet up with the Fremen, which are these desert sand people. 
yeah. the, the space Bedouins, as Mike called them. <laughs> and, and then they act out Lawrence in Arabia for the next 800 pages. Actually, um, Paul does bear a somewhat resemblance to T.E. Lawrence, the way he is not from their culture, but just sort of walks in and basically proves how much of a badass he is. And they all say, hey, you're pretty cool. We'll follow you. You will be our messiah. Yeah. So, I mean, also they have a prophecy of the one that's been implanted by the Bene Gesserit for generations, sort of like laying the groundwork. Yeah. And whether it's just a story or whether it's actually a real magic thing, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, that was the that was like the most interesting part of the book, actually. The most subtle mystery that they didn't really resolve. So he hangs out and he, he meets Stilgar, who is the head. Oh, and there's also oh, I mean, there's another character we're forgetting who dies anyway. So fuck him. Planetologist. The planetologist. Yeah, that Kynes or something like that was his name. Yeah, something like that. Who helps him escape at some point, and then he gets captured, and he gets killed. Fuck him. Yep, real important. And then he, so Paul has to, like, you know, duel one of their, like, other people to show how much he can still do stuff like that. But he's also, at the same time, that he's going through, like, being, you know, escaping the the coup, or escaping the escaping the Harkonnens, and he's, he's actually realizing his full powers, his full mind powers. You know, <laughs> he basically, oh, he goes to sleep in a tent when they're hiding, when he has his mother in hiding, and then he realizes, oh, I can see everything in the future, and all future, like, possibilities. It's not just that he sees the future, it's that he sees every potential future. He doesn't know which future is going to be the real future. He, he can just see all the different, you know, billions of variations as to what could happen. I would think that would be a little overwhelming. It's like, there's a future where I hold in that fart? <laughs> that one seems terrible. <laughs> Good thing I'm taking that spice so I can know <laughs> not to let it out right then. Uh, it's going to be a loud one. It feels like it's going to be quiet, but it's not. All right. It's, it's good to know. <laughs> Sometimes you get tricked, you know. You think, like, I could get away with this. I'm going to crowd a train. No one's going to know it was me. And that's what, clearly why I have not been given these powers. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, want to get some more beer. I do want to get more beer. Yeah. I know I'm, we're going to go to the future where there's more beer. So this is beer number five. It is called Cream Ale. It's brewed in a white room with uh, black curtains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the station. At the station, yeah. Um, it tells tales of brave Ulysses. And politicians. I feel like if it we're actually going for, you know, the real cream, it should have ginger in it. should, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but or at least some sunshine. Apparently they're not going for that. Though if I, if I did have a, a cream beer, I would hope it was made by Disraeli beers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Quick, send that to Eric Clapton right now. Disraeli beers. <laughs> so this is a light, easy-drinking cream ale, according to him. Now, cream ale is another one of those styles you don't really see too often. No. It might have been born under a bad sign, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm running out of cream jokes. Uh, I think my brother is the only one who will get any of these jokes. That's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep them in. Yeah. If you get these cream jokes, <laughs> send, send us an email. Send us an email at drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or if you liked Dune. <laughs> Sorry, we'll talk about that later. This is delicious. Yeah. It's a real so, clean flavor. Now, it is kind of amazing how it really does taste a little bit. It does taste creamy. And I don't know how they actually get that into a beer. Like, how, how do they get the cream taste into a beer? I'm not sure. But it is definitely very good. I think one thing that they do to make it creamier and have that clean, crisp flavor is that it, even with though the wah pedal, <laughs> with the wah pedal, yes, yes, uh, is that it has uh, it's an ale, but it's actually kind of lagered essentially, which is a period of just cold conditioning before you like. Mm, I don't think it's quite near freezing, but like maybe forty degrees or something like that. Hmm. So that kind of helps clean up the flavor, and it's got a really pre- pretty dense head on it. You know, and that part of that gives it like that mouthfeel that feels creamier. 
Um, I think that might be part of it. I've never made a cream ale. It's just not a style you see too often. It's not one, frankly, I care for a whole heck of a lot. But given the beach theme of this brewery and like this, the weather, this is a great beer special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. I mean, it's muggy as shit out right now. It's muggier than the South Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a stroll to the South Bronx. Um, it, is, it is pretty good, though. It is light and easy drinking, that's for sure. I can't really like put my finger in any flavor things in there, you know, in terms of uh, hop notes or something like that. It's just kind of like a blended, really nice lagery kind of beer. Mm-hmm. I agree. The faintest whiff of like a citrusy thing. Grassy almost actually is better than citrusy. Grassy. I'm not getting that, but. I, don't know, I just got that. It just hit me, hit me right in the nose, right in the nose hole. I don't know. I could be mis- mis-smelling. I'm a little sick right now, so I sound much more masculine. So, um, Dune, we got through the first third of the book. Can you believe that's yeah. all we fucking did? Except... We skipped a lot of bullshit. Ha- we skipped stuff, and nothing happens in the middle. Well, well the middle is... there's um, The book is divided into three thir- three books. You know, book one is... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget what they're called already. One is The Prophet, and that um, the first third explain- it basically takes you from, like, who the hell is this guy, Paul... To why is he living in the desert in the sand? In the the sand. last book is the prophet, actually. First is Dune, then it's Muad'Dib, then it's the prophet. Right. So basically, once Paul starts hanging out with the uh, Tuscan Raiders of Dune, he is challenged. He's like super, you know, weirdly smart, and his mom is a crazy witch, and they're able to kind of ingratiate themselves with the guy that's in charge of the group mm-hmm. that rescues them, Stilgar. And uh, there's some other dickhead guy, Jameis. Is that his name? Jameis? What was the guy's name that challenges Paul to a duel? The one that dies? Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, he, he is literally only in the book for a second because he challenges Paul to a duel and then dies. So, you know, that's, that's his whole role. Yeah, Jameis. Okay. Not to be confused with Hugh Jameis. <laughs> <laughs> Different guy. Known for something else. Jameis is like, I don't like this kid. I challenge you in the special ways of challenging. And that means we will fight to the death. In single combat. Yep. With daggers. And Paul, because even though he's a wiry 15-year-old kid in the desert, he has special training, and he is able to identify and observe things. And he's like, oh, this guy, he needs th- this is what he's relying on. And this, he's, this is how he does his feint to, to distract from whatever, whatever the bullshit is. And he kills Jameis, and he's not pleased. He did not want to kill him. Yeah. And he, become, you know, he officially becomes a killer at that point, becomes a murderer. Which we, we should talk about. Um, so since they're on a desert planet, water is the most precious commodity. Even though they're producing the universe's most valuable thing, to the people that live there, water is the most valuable thing on the planet. And everything about the Fremen lifestyle is about conservation of water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fucking disgusting. Yeah, people wear these full-body, skin-tight suits that literally recycles all of, the, all of their sweat and keeps all of their water and, and everything, yeah. All of their bodily fluids so that they can then drink it so they lose only a tiny amount of water. And everybody wears these all the time, and that's what they drink. Well, still suits. Mm-hmm. There's even a scene in the beginning where a Fremen comes into the Duke's place, and he's like, they're like, do we have a deal? And he, like, spits at them. <laughs> and they're like, people are like, fuck you, man. And they're like, oh, no, wait, wait. Oh, that means yes in this culture, because it's a great sacrifice to spit at somebody. So <laughs> he spits out, and they're like, oh, that means he really agrees. And at one point, like, somebody cries, and they're like, he has, he's wasting water on the dead. Like that oh, is right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So funny. so water is the most valuable fucking thing for these people. So anyway, there's this whole like middle part where Paul sort of like learns his powers and sort of he he's be, after he kills, you know, after he beats the other kid in single combat, he sort of becomes their leader. Or or at least he becomes He's like the decision maker. Accepted as more or less their leader, and even though he's an outsider because they see the prophecy. That the prophecy of the one, he they recognize him as 
the, the person of the prophecy. So they're immediately like, oh, I guess we have to do this now. And he becomes their leader. He turns uh, recycled body water into recycled body wine. wine. <laughs> <laughs> Walking on water is much more impressive in their world when it's a puddle. <laughs> this is the biggest body of water they've seen. Yeah. So they give him a nickname, and he comes Mwadib, Mwadib, which has a little apostrophe in it, making it look especially Arabian. Mm-hmm. And it means the mouse. Because, the mouse? Yeah, it means the mouse, right? Isn't that what it means? I don't remember. It's some bitch. It's like a little animal, yeah. Because he, you know, is small or something. I don't know. But they also give him another name. He's like Yusul. They give him a whole bunch of fucking names. Yeah, he's got a bunch of titles. Of he's Paul. He's the Kwisatz Haderach. He's Maudib, which I still can't say. And then he's Yusul, which is like his special tribe-only name that they can't tell people who aren't in the tribe. But So he becomes famous as Maudib. When they return to the Fremen and, and world. they're hiding out. So they're hiding out with the Fremen on Arrakis while technically the Harkonnens have take, re-taken over control of the planet. And they don't even know he's there. They think he's dead. They think he and Jessica, his mother, are both dead. And they're just like redoing their spice planet and running their spice planet like they're supposed to. Not realizing there's this um, rebellion forming led by this 15-year-old, you know, hmm. Neo. Prophet. Yeah. And then on the spice world, to become one <laughs> when... The two worlds collide because the Harkonnens learn about Maudib. They learn his name, and they have no idea that it's Paul Atreides. Mm-hmm. They just think he's some upstart preacher from the Sand People because the Fremen are, they, they always mark single file to hide their numbers. <laughs> they, there's a way more of them than anybody knows. They hide in the deepest parts of the desert where nobody ever bothers to go. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the sand worms yes. yet. And they are protected, well, they're not purposefully, it seems, but there are giant fucking sandworm things that just go through the desert and these, eat entire ships. Yeah, these things are like, I don't know, a thousand feet long? It's, it's obscenely these, like, large. These, these anim- giant animals that can, that can like swallow whole like factories. Giant, yeah, so factories in one gulp and they like totally detect, if you're like not necessarily walking on the uh, desert, but if you do anything, like they can detect it and you're totally... So mining the spice is actually really hazardous mm-hmm. and there's a scene early on, I think, where uh, a thing gets eaten by a sandworm, and the Duke is piloting the, sh- the ornithopter, and he's yeah. like, we have to save them, and blah, blah, blah. And it's these fucking enormous things that come out of the ground, and its mouth is big enough to eat the processing thing for the for the spice, which must be like, you know, the size of a fucking airplane, you know? It's not... Mm-hmm. They're, they're ridiculously large, and they just... I mean, how they are uh, sustained on a planet, like, metabolically, with For no a war- science book, they don't even attempt to explain that. I, I kind of appreciate that they don't because if he started, thank God it was already long enough. If he started going to like midichlorians and shit, like oh no, the way that they try in, fan, in fantasy books set in space, the way they explain things is usually horrific, horrifically stupid. Mm-hmm. So Paul, oh, we didn't talk about the fact that Jessica was pregnant, was newly pregnant at the time that the Duke was assassinated and they got kicked out and stuff, and they got a you know, um, uh, you know, they they had to leave and go into hiding, and so and she ended up. So this is Lord of the Duke's daughter. She because Jessica is the Duke's concubine, yeah. not his wife. Technically not wife, but he actually loved her. He didn't have any other concubines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No side bitches. Hard to believe. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, she's pregnant. You're thinking, you're thinking of the adult film version, Poon. <laughs> <laughs> so, but she, in, in some sort of like weird, bizarre ceremony, drinks something that's clearly not beer because it gives her, you know, daughter, or, you know, you know in the womb, like superpowers. But it's, it's like, um, it's this intense mind-altering thing that they're supposed to give to the so the the royal mother and what that's her name the whole and uh, what the fuck her name the, is the mother Benny Jesuit yeah whatever woman? her fucking stupid name is yeah I forget and too. they give it this like probably made with more of a spice and she doesn't tell them that she's pregnant but of course she like so she has it. fetal spice syndrome <laughs> 
So she, she um, sips it, and she's like, I could change the molecules of this into something harmless, but I won't, because this is the way of who the fuck knows. I guess another ridiculous thing, that her and she and Paul have this ability to just change the essence molecularly of things that they encounter to make them not dangerous, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's poison. I will just convert it into non-poison. Speaking of which. Speaking of non-poison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This next beer is called... Let's rock. Let's rock. And it's got a lightning bolt next to it. So this is clearly the ACDC beer that we have up here. Yep. And Mm -hmm. it is um, taking us on the highway to hell here as we get increasingly drunk. It is a grisette with lemon and pepper notes. Now, grisette, I I would let that. I would let that shake me all night long. (laughs) Hell's bells. This is delicious. I was thunderstruck when I tasted it. You know, I, I have to, I don't know what a grisette really is. I've only had a couple and they've been wildly different in character. I mean, they're like a Belgian kind of thing, I guess. More French. That looks like a French word, right? But they speak France. In, in they Belgium, speak yeah. France in Belgium. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you're like one of those uh, Walloon clowns, right? One of those like the weird separatists of Belgium. That's not the Netherlands. Walloons? I'm pretty sure it's Belgium. You know what? I get those two countries confused, so I probably <laughs> shouldn't open my mouth. I mean, Except I totally to drink this. totally wrong. It, it, I'm trying to like look online, but it's not even easy to find out. I mean, here's what it definitely says. According to draftmag.com, it is a low ABV, Saison-like Brewed with wheat, farmhouse. Like, those are the elements that they usually hear describing it, according to this article. Those are like eight different elements. But you know what? They all kind of apply because it is a low ABV thing. It's 4.9%. Mm-hmm. It does have a bit of a funky thing a to it, but bit, very faint. I mean, slightly, I guess sour is the word for it, like a sour beer, but it is very faint. Even <laughs> even fainter than the other one we did, number two, which is called M-Bell. whatever it is with the pipe in the way. I get to M-Bell. Yeah, it's even, even fainter than that. I mean, this is very nice and light. Well, I think maybe sour no, is, is, is overused. Similar. I wouldn't say sour for this. I'd say funky. I think is the term I prefer because funky doesn't mean sour necessarily. You know, like blue cheese isn't sour. Blue cheese is funky. And this is the same kind of thing. Like, this is just very, very mild. Not to say it tastes like blue cheese, which I I love blue cheese for the record. I would still argue that the flavor that's in a, like, specifically brewed sour beer, even though it's, like, it's so much more intense in most of those, like, super sour beers, it is is the same flavor. It is the same, like, it's activating the same taste buds, but on a much, much lower level. But I think brewers, because they don't want, maybe they, to attract or not attract people to the wrong thing, they kind of distinguish. And yeah, I can sour usually mm-hmm. means fucking Super holy shit intense, sour. Yeah. And if it's not holy shit sour, you'll see the word funky on there. Like, oh, this is our Brettanomyces IPA. It's got uh, citrus notes and a uh, funkiness to it. And you're like, all right, that's going to mm-hmm. have like a weird kind of a flavor that's called horse blanket. That's what it's called? That's a type of, like when you look at like professional, you know, sommelier type folks drinking beers, like, oh, hints of horse blanket, which is ridiculous. That does not sound appealing at all. I prefer pony pillowcases <laughs> and <laughs> mule beds. I don't know. But I totally have seen the phrase horse blanket. Mule mattresses? Mule mattresses there. Oh, donkey dicks. And so, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know how many horse blankets these people have smelt and tasted. They're, I must increase my palate. Bring me the horse blanket. Find me a horse. <laughs> Let me off no, no, that. no. Find me the blanket. Yeah. <laughs> horse blanket sounds like a cool uh, indie rock band. Horse blanket has at least two banjo players in it. <laughs> and every member has a beard, even the women. <laughs> like righteous ZZ Top beards. Totally. They're from Williamsburg. They're playing uh, next week. So, <laughs> uh, Except the drummer, whose last name is Beard, but doesn't have one. That's right, yes. That's why they're the ZZ Top of their game. So <laughs> what do you think of this? I mean, I like it. It's good. I get the refreshing thing people see in these sour beers or the funky uh, beers. I, I want to say I'm not getting the pepper. Yeah, I, I don't know, it's like, faintly there. I'm looking for the spice. <laughs> we need the spice, but I, I don't really, I don't really get it. coming to talk about Dune. It's, it's good. It's a nice beer. I've had grisettes where I was like, that tastes like fucking awfulness. Where they're super, super bit uh, sour. This tastes like, I don't know, pale ale. 
Yeah, I like it. It has just the, the slightest bit of that sour, funky flavor. Just a, just a hint. Which is enough to make it interesting to me. Mm-hmm. More than yeah. that, and I'd kind of be like, mm, no thanks. That, personally, at least. They're, they're not big on the uh, extreme beers here. No. Everything's, um, everything's kind of like a balanced, they're all light. Uh, mild they're thing. They're light and nice and, and very, I mean, tasty. I would, I would definitely drink these, but not, not the... Uh, you know, super strong things. I was thinking the other day, you know the best way to find out your potential as an individual is? Become an alcoholic. <laughs> because then people will talk about you and they're like, man, that fucking guy could have been anything. He could have been a doctor. And you're like, really? I could have been a doctor. <laughs> you think so? I had no idea. Thank you. <laughs> but I threw that away. Worked. But like, because you never hear anyone talk about an alcoholic. Like, that guy could have maybe been a garbage man. Maybe. It's always something like really highfalutin. Like, that guy could have been an astronaut. That guy could have dug the shit out of my ditches. <laughs> He could, it's always like, he could do anything. He was so smart. She, or, I don't think it, she was so smart. She could fix anything. Great with their hands. So they were like, he was a, always a piece of shit. And I saw this coming from the beginning. I saw this coming in third grade. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. When you become an alcoholic or drug addict, that's when you hit your peak potential. You just can no longer capitalize on it. You never hear anything lowly like, they could have been a podcaster. The lowest of the low. <laughs> Gets us free beers. Well, yeah, right. not, uh, <laughs> no complaints here. So Maudi becomes the leader of the Sand People. And then there's a two-year gap in the book. In they just he, jump ahead he, two years. In which he makes some, uh, he like meets, what's her name, Chani? Something like that. And he's like, so if you want to be my lover. Um, <laughs> you yeah. were saving that one, weren't you? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I know any more Spice Girls. Like, but he um, gets his like side at side piece and has a kid with her named like Little Paul. I don't know, whatever his name is. I think it's, I think it's Lito II is what the kid's name yeah. is. And they have a little kid. And, um, but they're not married because he still is like thinking like a feudal lord. He's like, I'm not going to actually marry that bitch. That's just, you know, just going to pork her. Yeah. Have this is just more like, you know, this, this, she's going to be my princess of the sand people, but she's not my real wife. <laughs> she will definitely not be my real wife, even though I'm only 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's the first steady gash I'm getting. I have this frame of the, the, the sense of mind to know, like, don't commit, Paul. There will be more. Well, he can see the future. So, That's you know, right. most 17 year olds could definitely benefit by seeing the future. I'd be great. No, no. Trust me. In the future, you're going to blow me. It's just going to happen. So just start now. <laughs> in the future, you're going to like it. I'm going to tell you. You're not going to mind. It's going to be great. Yeah. Your parents are definitely not going to find out. <laughs> All your friends are totally going to love me. Yeah. They're going to tell you, I'm so glad you're with that guy. I promise you. <laughs> so he hangs out with Chani and the Spice people, and he hangs out in their little town, and they are some crafty bastards. They are saving... So they're fucking gross, by the way. Every time someone dies, they render them down for their water. Oh, yeah. And then when Paul kills Hugh Jameis, he gets <laughs> he gets a little, like, a bracelet thing or a necklace thing, and it's the tokens for how much water was in that guy's body. Like, you get 17 liters of water, Paul. That's yours, because that's what we boiled that asshole down to. Gross. Yeah, and then they all the water, there's this, like, underground lake where they keep it because the sand people have a plan that not today not tomorrow but in a you know a hundred years or a thousand years they're gonna terraform dune on arrakis and make it verdant because that's part of like the prophecy like paul is part mm-hmm. of that prophecy he's gonna make that shit happen so they're saving all their water every loogie and piss <laughs> gets worked into the future which is impressive it's like the quite it's like the direct opposite of Waterworld. <laughs> it is yeah and uh that's he finds that out there when he's living with them and all the while, then there's like crazy political maneuvering happening throughout the whole book. Then I didn't understand all of it. No. Well, like the Baron, like Baron Harkonnen is a boy fucker. Like that's clear. He he fucks children, boy prostitutes. Yeah. And, uh, and this isn't this isn't like the uh, the, the what the hell is that guy's name? This and, isn't the papal version. No. <laughs> it's clear that they are sand Muslims and not sand Catholics. <laughs> but the uh, I mean, it really is like a huge Arab vibe of the whole book, and clearly like. I mean, they actually call it jihad. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, the, the, sand, the Fremen, the Sand People, actually are like, we're going to kill the Harkonnens because it's jihad. But now, it's in, in space, 19, so but it's in, a zero jihad. <laughs> <laughs> now, in 1965, yeah, Jimmy, we be here for that. Uh, uh, in 1965, that term didn't have the same meaning that it has now. It means struggle, Nate. It's all it ever meant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No one will ever think of it any other way. Do you want to go back and listen to what we're talking about, or we'll just nope. the magic of editing? Yeah. It was a good story. <laughs> that we can't tell. I know. I have to share it with somebody. Beer number seven is called Harmonious Discord. You know, kind of like the planet of Arrakis. Ooh, well done. It is a multi-rich English porter. Popter. But it smells going on the board. Yeah, it is. Some tall dickhead erased part of the P and erased part of the R and Porter, so this is Popter. And it wasn't Mike, we promised. It wasn't me. I, I could barely reach that. Someone a little taller and dickisher than me. But I looked at it and I was like, that kind of looks like Ornithopter from the stupid book. Yeah. It was like, they, they planned so many little Dune nuggets for us. They so knew. They had a prophecy of us <laughs> being here. We're the beer sats hatterack. <laughs> so it's an English style Porter. Now, we talked about in the past how porter and stout are basically the same thing. But the so English style is just milder, you know, not extreme. Mm-hmm. Super malty still. I mean, that's really all you taste. The, the hops that are here are just to add enough bitterness that you don't think this is syrup. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's uh, nice, like, finish to it. There's something uh, you know, I haven't yet developed my palate enough for the super duper strong stouts we've been doing. Whereas, but this, because it's lighter... I could I could drink more than a few sips. No, this is good. I like this the delicious beer. All the deliciousness. I mean, if for, and it's only four point eight percent. It yeah. feels bigger than that, which is what I. That's my line usually. <laughs> <laughs> it feels bigger than you think. It's really good. So harmonious discord. I mean, where is the harmony on Arrakis? I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, there's harmony among the Fremen. You know, there's harmony where they are in unity. Perhaps you know. Paul and Jessica are going to bring harmony to the to the Fremen to Arrakis because of the prophecy, you know, stuff like that. That they'll bring water and green and you know normal planet things. Right, normal, normal planet things like grass and shit. Yeah, and there's times when like, on my planet there was water as far as you could see, and the Fremen are like, oh my god, that sounds you're lying. You're like, full of shit. <laughs> it can't be. I just, I just peed a little in my suit, and then it was cycled it, and I drank it. I got so excited <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> and so, all right, let's just talk about what happens at the end, like the whole like ending thing. So there's this whole like complicated thing where, you know, Paul, as leader of the Fremen, this, you know, sort of like leads them. He knows to, on some sort of like attack against the Harkonnens because they're like really good soldiers because, you know. Well, there's the well, first of all, they, like can, they, Lawrence. they can ride the sandworms. They can, yeah. Which they pretend they can't. They don't tell the you know the offlanders that they can. The offlanders think like this: the sand things are just crazy, untamable, giant space worms, as you would imagine, because yeah, they look like it. And the fremen secretly know how to ride them, and they could control them, and they, that's how they're actually like masters of the desert. One of the other terms for the for the sand isn't worms, that a metallic album? What's <laughs> masters of the desert? Masters of the desert. <laughs> um, I think you're thinking of a uh, gorilla mall. <laughs> Because it's hot? I don't know. So the, the, one of the other terms, by the way, for the sandworms, because there's a, like, shai holud, means like sandworms. When I was in high school, a teacher wrote in my yearbook, may shai holud cleanse the path before you. And I was oh like, my God. you're a fucking weird. And he was a weird teacher. And I was like, what does that mean? And he just kind of laughed and walked away. And I only found out now, I graduated high now school many, like 15 years ago. <laughs> this many years later, now you know what that nerd was talking about. Because, I mean, I, he, so he was a social studies teacher, and he's like, actually, he like studied in like Mesopotamia, so I assumed it was just one of the 8,000 Mesopotamian gods. But no, it was a fucking Dune thing. Like I was like, that name. I was reading this. Like, that sounds so familiar. 
I think Mr. O'Malley wrote about that in my thing. The Paul, a leader of the Fremen, are going to mount an actual attack on the House Harkonnen and their sort of forces. But they also are mounting a thing where they have the guild. They're like a spice guild. The, 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 the space guild. Yeah, like they somehow own, they like own entering and exiting the planets. Yeah, you know, so weird they sort too. of like own the ships and they charge those bastards, charge a really high price to ship things. Right, and they're just... Because they have a fucking monopoly on shipping. So the, the, the space guild has, in cooperation with the Padishah Emperor... I don't understand what the fuck Padishah means. I like, think it's, it's just a title, I guess. I don't know what that name, that word signifies. It's yeah. just he's the emperor, but they kept calling him the Padishah Emperor over and over again. And he's Shaddam the Fourth, the new class. <laughs> Shaddam <laughs> Four. So Not Shaddam Hussein? No, or Shaddam Van Dam. No, I fucked fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> Shaddam <laughs> Van Dam. <laughs> so... The emperor, though, has gotten in on this action. He's like, fuck those Atreides or whatever. Like, Oh, no, he's like, fuck, because they think they're dead. So fuck those Fremen, which I really want to say Freeman is what I, I was I, saying I, in my I, head I, the whole time. the book, I thought that's what it was, too. But it rhymes with semen, so I understand why we're not calling him that. <laughs> so the, 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 the semen, they are going to get murked by the emperor because, you know, he's bored, right? Is there a bigger reason? I don't remember if there was. There's this, there's this weird thing where Paul thinks he's going to take over the entire empire. And he does, mm, by the way. Yeah. He does, which is he. And something like, I can't remember either. Either the, even House Harkonnen know, knows there's a battle that's going to happen. They know somehow something's going to happen. And, and they're there too with their champion guy. What was his name Fenring or something like that? Another sure, fucking, yeah. the guy who's good at fighting in the gladiator matches by cheating. Right? And he like makes the other guy, the other guys are like drugged so they don't fight well. That's how you know they're evil. Right, they, they, they cheat. They cheat at blood sport. Like ridiculous. Like they're like the worst elements of the Roman Empire and feudalism. And uh, I think Fenring, I think was his name. I think that's no, I think that's his name. Is yeah. that who Sting played in the movie? I don't know. I haven't seen it actually. I've never actually seen the movie. Me neither. And he's like, Don't stand so close to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. He doesn't put on the red light. And they were walking on the moon of Arrakis. They don't find a message in a bottle. No. Fuck the police. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there it is. Oh, yeah, and now wait, well, that's a different band. Different, totally different. <laughs> uh, and so and then there's this big battle where the, the Jessica's daughter <clears throat> gets uh, like kidnapped, Leah? something like that. She gets she gets like kidnapped, but uh, Paul's like sand wife and kid <laughs> get killed. Well, not the wife, the wife not the wife, just 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 the kid. <laughs> but everyone else is okay. Like there's no, you don't see that scene. They're just mm-hmm. like, yeah. And oh, then and by he the way, knew his happened. son was dead. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, eh, I got another one. Yeah, pretty much. And the wife is like more of dead, you know, sad, and she's then he's like, I'm also gonna marry. Oh, I'll take it over. Yeah, and and so there's this big battle, and the Fremen are like secretly really good soldiers or really good warriors, and the Harkonnens, even though they owned Arrakis for probably fucking centuries, still don't know this. I don't know because they're idiots. Because they don't bother. They just they're they're the typical you know royals in fiction. They just want to live in their ignorance and luxury. Yep. And they just like, don't don't talk to the poor. <laughs> and it just so happens that the emperor is there on the on Arrakis. Because they're scheming yeah. or conniving or whatever they're doing. But the Sardua Corps or whatever are the Emperor's amazing soldiers that have never been beaten. And it's like vaguely and hinted at or that they might have come from the prison planet, Secundus Seleucus or something like that's called. The names are all fucking dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you really like Dune, you're not going to like this episode of our show. No. Nope. If you didn't already get that an hour ago. <laughs> um, uh, and so, anyway, they uh, there's a big battle. And through some, like, strategic... Through some strategy, the uh, the Paul they managed to win, and then Paul is like, "Yes, I am actually Paul Atreides, you yeah. assholes! I didn't die. Oh, and by the way, you emperor, you sold us out, you 
you asshole. And <laughs> you're going to make me the new emperor because you don't want everybody to know that. But you're going to do it by letting me marry your daughter because you're... Do- but also, oh my God, we forgot about this. Through the elaborate multi-generational scheming of the space witches, um, Paul is half Harkonnen. Oh yeah, right. He's half Atreides, he's half Harkonnen because his mother was the offspring of, you know, one of the few times Baron Harkonnen wasn't fucking a boy. He... Fucked that up one a time. witch, and then she like that child will now be a daughter who will be a space pawn, and then uh, Paul is half that. So he's like, he's gonna like unite all the houses and shit, and become emperor. Well, his his kid, his line will be emperor, but then he's also like, and fuck you, emperor, because so he, he says like, I and in the signet ring of the duke, I let you in here, and I won't hurt you. And then he's like, all right, now I'm gonna kill you guys. And I'm like, but you promised, yes, but Madi didn't promise. He, very, the oldest I just, trick it, in the bro. For those of you listening, I just rolled my eyes. You can't really hear. But that's that what on happens. The that's no, exactly just, what happens. That's what happens. Yeah. That's right. So it's like not even like for the guy who could see the future and just you know do whatever the fuck he wants. He has the lamest like you know Simon didn't say <laughs> he becomes the emperor then and he banishes Hark- well, Harkonnen gets killed and then I forget even how that happened because it was like at this point in the book I was like this is almost over. Thank God. I know what's going to happen. Let's just see it for sure. And then uh, he goes to the emperor. He's like, you're going to go spend the rest of your life on your prison planet. Oh, of course, Paul has to fight the other guy. Well, speaking of uh, fighting the other guy, uh, this is an Irish stout. It's called Black Gold. It is the eighth thing on tap. It is Nitro Black Gold. Sorry to the people of Ireland. I'm half Irish. It's, it's cool. He, he's allowed to say that. It's, it's our word. Paul hits him on a shillelagh. <laughs> A bold Irish stout is what it says. And it tastes like... No, I fuck, I mean, this is going to upset some people. I don't like Guinness. I don't like Guinness at all. <clears throat> I've really only had it like once, so I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it tastes like. This isn't the same style as Guinness. This is way better. I like this way more because maybe for the reasons why some people like Guinness, Guinness to me tastes like water and it really doesn't have much going on. Very thin. Like People say, oh, it's a heavy stout. Like, no, it's not. It tastes like fucking water. This has like a... There's like a coffee roasted flavor in here. It's not super strong, but you could taste roasted barley. Mm-hmm. And it has everything else. It has like the nitro head, which that, um, so most beer is force pressurized when it's on tap or in bottles even, unless it's bottle conditioned, which is when the yeast does the work, which is when your beer is carbonated by yeast farts. The it's beer. a technical term. That's what they call it, yeah. Um, something's brewing. <laughs> so there's um, uh, force carbonation where you just take CO2 and pump it into the beer and you get levels there. So you force carbonate it, you just kind of pump CO2 into it and that gets you the normal head. But this is done with nitro. I don't know if it's just, I don't think it's just nitrogen. Something like other nitrous, something, I'll say nitrous oxide, but I don't think that's right. And it, the main difference is that it has way smaller bubbles, which gives it a much denser and creamier looking head, which is what Guinness has. There's nothing magical about Guinness. It doesn't have that dense, foamy head because of some, you know, brewing chicanery or alchemy that happened. They just use a different... Just use nitrogen. Yeah, they use a different uh, chemical or a different gas. And this is with nitro. Now, I've never actually had, like, a nitro and a non-nitro version of a beer side-to-side to to know what the difference is. But you almost exclusively see it with stouts. And uh, it's not super common, probably, because you need a special setup for it at your bar. So you can't just, like, plug one in wherever you feel like it. But this is actually a pretty solid beer. I really like it. This was the one on the list, honestly, that I was like, I'm not going to like that. This is really good. I like this a lot. It's nice. I mean, it still has thin body, like a dry Irish stout style is. Uh, and it is not very sweet as the dry part of the Irish style would have you believe. But the roasted flavor in it really is interesting to me. I really dig it. So, okay. First question. Oh, Why? Hold on. We finish this fucking plot. Paul becomes we, we emperor. Okay. okay, there we go. Oh, okay. We finished it. All right. So, um, first discussion question. Why do people like this book? I have no idea. I, the whole time, like, I, I will fully admit, one of the things I choose, uh, I, I consider when I choose what book I'm going to read is 
oh, that's a famous book other people have read. I should have read that too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be an idiot. And whenever, I don't want to ever run into somebody and they're like, oh, have you ever read this? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Because then I feel like a schmuck. You know, like if I'm in a book club podcast. Or someone who's the host of a book podcast, you right. want to know these things. I want to at least be able to say, I know the name of that book and I've read it or I haven't read it because it looks stupid. Or because I don't like that author's early work or something pretentious. So there's like a high pretentious element in how I pick what I read. So the whole time reading this, I was like, I want to like this. I'm, this is a famous sci-fi book. It won the... Um, won so many awards. It won the Hugo and the Nebula. Mm-hmm. I forget which one came first. One of those awards started in the 50s, and one started in 1965, and Dune won it. So The first one, yeah. yeah. I, I want to say the Hugo was first and the Nebula won, and it, it, it won the first Nebula. I, I, I that's, that's my guess, and I'm 50% right. You are. What? I'm 50, 50% chance of being right. Yeah, uh, I'm going to believe you. And it doesn't sound right, because the Hugo is named after Hugo Gernsback. Anyway, never mind. So, so I, I have a thought as to why people like this book. It's because, I know why I didn't like it, but why I think other people liked it is because it is sort of like an exciting adventure story. You know, if you can get past the weird parts and really, like, get into the characters, into, like, you know, the hero's journey and, you know, all the, all the stuff like that, I can see how this book would be very entertaining. You know, you know really, really get into, it, it could be an exciting plot. Well, if you cared about the characters, that's the if. Mm, the big if. Well, he does an amazing job, Frank Herbert, of the world-building thing that is part of sci-fi slash fantasy. True. And it wasn't a huge thing before this book came out. I mean, well, it, it there was, is this a, was an influence on that, for A very sure. famous trilogy that does it better, and first, mm-hmm. by a decade or so, but he creates a world where they have a language, though he doesn't really develop the language as much as Tolkien did. They have religion. Possibly later books. Possibly, yeah. But Tolkien only just did it in the three, the one shot. Mm-hmm. Shot his load very early. Herbert kind of milked this out till he died in like the 80s, I think he died. So um, there's a there's like a culture and a mythology to each culture. There's a, a bunch of planets. There's family histories of them. Like it feels like Space Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So one thing that I immediately noticed right away is that even though this is technically a sci-fi book because it is in the future, it has futuristic technology, it is on a different planet with you know interstellar travel. It is really a fantasy book I agree. because here's why. You know, I started making a list as to all the reasons why it has similarities it has with fantasy books. Reason one, me, dwarves. Reason two, hot wenches. Hot elf wenches. Hot elf wenches. Reason three, witches, magic. So, it's the, so the, the main part of the plot is the hero's journey. It is like, and hero's journey, it is about kingdoms and houses, you know, and like noble houses and, and sort of like feudalism. And it is also about magic because really the Bene Gesserit are portrayed as really having magic powers. Even though they try and they don't even try and really explain the science behind it, it's really just like they can just say a word and have it have this big influence. It is really like magic spells, uh, and it also involves the prophecy of the one. You know, like the the because in fantasy, it, one of the main themes in almost every fantasy book is a person who comes from not necessarily nothing, but they're chosen to save the world. They're chosen to save. You know, it's not just good versus good versus evil, and the Harkonnens are really evil, but it, there's one person who. Maybe didn't want to, didn't choose to do it, but just they have all the signs, and they just have, they just have to be the one to save everybody. Well, I agree with about half of those. I think the hero's journey is a thing that predates fantasy too. Sure, but that is in fantasy kind of As the main well. thing. Sure, but it's also in you know literature. It's a main thing. Yeah, and pretty much all stories. That's true. Um, I mean, it sounds very like Joseph Campbellish. You know, like a hero with a thousand faces for sure. Um, but the the idea like the houses, the feudal houses and stuff like that, that textbook fantasy because. The main difference between sci-fi and fantasy usually is that sci-fi takes place in the future, fantasy takes place in an imagined past, and it usually looks like feudal England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just happens to be. I mean, pretty much every fantasy novel, like witches, or, you know, the witches probably like castles, lords, you know, fiefdoms. That's all medieval-looking. 
and medieval while, technology. While I was reading this, I was totally thinking about reminding me of how it sort of relates to uh, uh, Game of Thrones or um, that other one that we haven't done on the podcast. Um, Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time, yeah. So just the fact that the, the, the Benny Gesserit order of women or the ice who has magic totally, like totally Robert Jordan stole that from this book and yeah. made that into an even bigger thing in his books, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure, on a different podcast. Yeah, maybe. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't have to. I would be okay if we never did it, for sure. Let us know what you think. Um, so uh, the other thing you said that I'm like not super super sure I agree with you on, um, the one, I think part of that, though, like there's a huge religious element to this book, and it's not so much as like the one in like the, um, you know, Harry Potter sense, but like in the messianic sense. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a religious leap, which is, this, which is in the same category, but is, it is distinct because like he is the redeemer or whatever, you know? So they add a religious explanation to the prophecy of the, the, and sort of how there's only one person who, even though they didn't even want to have to do it, they have to go and save the world. That's what a lot of fantasy, that's that's Frodo, that's Harry Potter. Sure. That's not necessarily Game of Thrones. Oh, actually, yeah, it is definitely Game of Thrones. There's a, which, since Mike hasn't read them, I won't spoil it for him, but. I mean, there's there like, it's like it's, a trillion it's, pages long. I'm sure there's at yeah. least a witch. There are, yes. There's a witch and a dwarf and a giant and um, a mean person. A- at least one mean person, yeah. And a hot Spoiler. elf bitch. Actually, no real elves in, in, in Game of Thrones. Oh, fair maiden. Actually, then. there kind of are, but they're not a big thing. Uh, no Galadriels in uh, Game oh, of Thrones. No fair maidens? Oh, that there are. Oh, what their big old tiggle biddies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will eventually do Game of Thrones on this yeah. podcast. Well, oh, just keep listening. I, I mean, so why do people read this? I think one reason it, it it's influential, right? It, you can see Wheel of Time definitely copied mm-hmm. elements of this. As you know, and I'm sure it, the science fiction is very influential too. Well, it, it's not hard science fiction, right? No, there's it's just it just takes place in, takes place in space, and there's just enough science to almost hold this house of cards up. And like, oh, we need the spice so we could travel to other planets because we travel to other planets now. Yeah. Now it leads to the question: How the fuck did they find the spice in the first place? Yeah, without without the spice, yeah. No, I, I that is a good point. That's gonna bake your noodle, as the Oracle said in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think people like it because if you're really if you really get into the story and and care about the characters, sure, it's exciting, and and I'm sure it's very engaging. I didn't give a fuck about the characters. I, I didn't either. And I felt like, you know, the author didn't earn it. Or they didn't really, like, set it up. There's just so much complicated stuff, even right in the beginning. And it's just, they, not only, I mean, it is kind of explained. But they don't really, the main characters don't really have the time <clears throat> to show you who they are. And more than one dimension. And it's just sort of, like, just said, oh, yeah, and they have this problem. Yeah. And that's, like, all you find out. And you, it's, like, one sentence, oh, and they have this thing. And you don't really... It's, there isn't enough there. There isn't. A, I, w- I don't want to say there isn't enough exposition because there's a shitload of exposition, but there isn't enough to make you care about the characters before, you know, the big betrayal and everything gets crazy. And so you just kind of don't care. At least I didn't. I, I agree. I think part of it in, in creating this immense world, he made the decision. He didn't want to explain everything up front because that would have been boring probably to explain the geopolitics of the spice planet. Instead, he just kind of you're thrust into this world and it's got all these kooky words and practices and religions and all bullshit and you have to figure it out and I just didn't want to work that hard. It was, I tried and then I was kind of like, eh, I don't really, eh, I don't care that much. I'll just kind of figure it out as it goes. I'm not going to, like, when it's revealed, mm-hmm. then I'll understand. If I don't understand, I guess that's okay too, which is how I finished the book. It, yeah. it, it definitely finished stronger than it started. Like once I understood enough, it got more interesting, but I don't have any intention right now of reading the sequels. There are so many. I was hoping to like it. Yeah. Because one of the hardest parts of reading 100 books a year is finding 100 books a year you're interested in reading. It's like, oh, sure. this is a series without like 8 or 9 or 10 books. Sure, if this is good, that'll be 9 or 10 books I can just, you know, 
fit in, and that'll be great. Sure. And I am so, I would have to be so low. I would have to have no other choices, like none, before I pick up the second student book. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're missing something. Jim, you know, if you look on Goodreads, Nate gave it two stars. I gave it three, and our absent partner, this whore mother, Jimmy <laughs> gave it four. So he liked it better than both of us. Maybe there's something we're missing, and by not having his drunk ass here, we're not hearing that perspective. But probably not. He would have just made way more spice jokes. Way more spice girls jokes. Well, yeah. Oh, success. I, uh, this one I'm most excited about. This is the beer I came here for when I had pneumonia. This is Bungalow Nights. This is their Imperial Stout. This, they have two versions of it. This is the um, rye and cacao bean version. Like, I think it's Asian rye whiskey barrels or something like that. It is a delicious stout, and it's like 10% alcohol. It's a yeah. good beer. This is a very different beer than the rest of them we've had tonight. It's an intense beer. It is. Well, it's actually, no, it's not that intense, though. It's a big beer. D- that's what I mean, yeah. It's not overwhelmingly strong. You definitely don't taste the alcohol in it. You definitely I mean, a little bit, but for a 10% beer, it is very not that noticeable. And it's well hidden. Yeah. And the flavors are kind of like, I'm trying to get the cacao flavor, like the chocolatey flavor. That's kind of usually just evident in a stout to begin with. This is great. And they have it in bottles here to go. Uh, I've had it when it was on tap as well, and it's a, it's a really solid beer. There's another version that's aged with um, oak and vanilla beans. I'll see if we can try that. I don't know if we will. But it's really good, and uh, I have a couple bottles of this at home. If we could ever think of a book where bungalows are central to it, you may see this one appear again. Bungalows. And I also have... So weird. I, it's a fun, I grew up in a bungalow, actually. That's a, okay, what is a, is a bungalow? House. Right? It's just a type of house. It's, it's like a small, shitty beach house, essentially, but it's a, it's a small house. Small, shitty beach house. I mean, I'm sure there's a more specific thing, but like, you never... Like, a bungalow is a small house, right? They're like, look at, this, look at the size of this bungalow, and I guess... The main character in... Uh, Nick in uh, Nick Carraway. What's the book called? Um, it's fucking great. Great, great Gatsby. Gatsby. He lives in bungalow next to Gatsby's mansion. It's a mansion. low. It's like a one-story house that is small <laughs> and has a porch in front of it. Like they're not a small shitty house. Um, and his bungalow nights, which of course is a reference to like you know beaches and because bungalows are usually beach houses, mm-hmm. where the kind of house where you don't actually spend most of your time in the house. The house is yeah. just for sleeping and uh, you know you're on the beach the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, exactly. The other beer here we have is their flagship IPA, I suppose. It is Rockaway IPA. This is one of the few ones that are available regularly in cans. And this is a little on the stronger side for their beers at 6.2% alcohol. There is not really any story on here, but let's try it out. That's a really good IPA. Kind of wish they had this on tap all the time. This is mm-hmm, a good yeah. beer. This is really good. You know, it. this could compete with any of the other big IPAs you have out there. Your 60-minute or whatever. This is a good beer in that quality category. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. And a little surprised that they keep it hidden away in cans. Maybe it's just on tap sometimes. At their bar, yeah. Right? It must be on tap sometimes. I'm sure it is. Just not right But now. it's got like citrusy flavors and a tropical fruit. Yeah. It's not just there. hop. It's not just the intense hop flavor of a strong IPA. It's that other flavors in there, too. It is, it is really good. There's a few other beers in cans that I'm going to try to finagle us to get to try. But in terms of Dune, the biggest question I have, who should read it? You know? Because I thought I would be the right person to read this book. And it really didn't do it for me. So who... who Oh, clearly, a lot of people like it. So who, 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 who should read this book? Uh, people who are into like epic fantasy, because I know that's because that's what kind of book it is. That's the kind of person who would like it. If you're into that kind of story, this is the kind of book for you. If you really like science fiction, for the sciency part, this is not the book for you because there's only the barest amount of science. Yeah, the science doesn't matter at all. In fact, the only times they do anything like remotely technological, it's that they have a hydroponic garden and a helicopter. Yeah, it's so really not. Like, the spaceship stuff, none of that happens on camera or on stage. That's all just, you know, and then he arrived at the planet. The space stuff is not part of it. And and all the characters are humans. 
Mm-hmm. They, they have, well, the people of Dune, the, uh, the, the semen, they have blue eyes. From like all blue. Everything's just blue. Like the whole, the, what the hell is the white part of your eye called? I don't know. The white of your eye? No, there's a word for it, I'm sure. The Caucasian part of their eyes is blue, as is the people in the iris and all that stuff, which is weird. That sounds alien-like, but it turns out that that's not actually because they're different species. It's just, it's just from, from like, the spice. The spice, right? yeah. The spice. Oh. Like, really, to be, to be honest, how can you like this? I really don't know. I, think I mean, I mean, my I, I still my thought is like if you really just bypass the part that he doesn't really like earn the caring about the characters, and you just as a person decide to oh this is interesting I'm going to care about these characters. If you can make yourself care, sure, you, it's, it's an exciting book. That's and if you can do that, if you have that skill, then yeah, then that's like that's who should read this book. Wow, ouch. But at the same time, I've talked to people who definitely are you know good readers not just good readers but have like advanced English degrees it's like oh yeah oh, oh, I've so read that twice I'm like oh no I've, oh, I've, I've read that twice oh yeah it's great I almost felt like after I finished it I should read it again and I understand way the fuck more if I knew from the beginning what a Bene Gesserit is and what a what a Shai Halud was if I knew what all those terms meant from the beginning I would way more understand the plot but I'm just not spending another 800 pages on the sand planet. Right, and rereading a book. Right, yeah. I was just thinking that when Baron Harkonnen took over, since he was a big slob, he should have renamed it Fatuine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the people who like this book are the people that are really into the world-building element of fantasy and sci-fi. You know, where there's a really richly developed space for the characters. Sometimes that becomes the whole plot. Yeah. Just like, oh, and then there's, let me, now I have to introduce you to this other thing I thought of, the people who have blue eyes and they only speak in vaguely Semitic words <laughs> uh, here out in the cosmic Levant that is Dune. Yep, and George R. R. Martin, who, you know, takes a million years between books, has put out like three of these, put out like three, two or three different things that is pretty much just like, this is just a history of the world that might that the characters take place and nothing about them this is just like backstories going back hundreds of years of the different characters and the different plots and they just go it, it doesn't really tell you anything about what's currently going on in the next book he spent years not writing and Fuck not it. taking out and not and not publishing you know he's really writing this other stuff like come on stop with the fucking world building just tell us what happens next that's that's what i keep saying yeah. uh, i think those kind of things like in hindsight like when you look back like like think of harry potter you know like the way Harry Potter came out was actually pretty smart. I was like, here's the series. And then afterwards, oh, and here's some bullshit filler yeah, book. Sure. You know, like the Beetle and the Bard. But. but what if before publishing the last book, she published three different, like, here's a history. Yeah, here's the history of uh, Quidditch book. And yeah. here's the Magic Through the Ages book. No, totally. I get that. That would be really frustrating. People would have been enraged. But, but, but if you come to the series after it's done, well, um, to help us think about who should read this turd, we got a couple more beers here. Sweet. Because the Rockway Brewing Company has tolerated us for several hours now here yeah. actually Very nice and uh, as, as we have tried just about everything but there's some stuff that's in cans not on tap that we have to we have to try to, for you the listener this is their American Pills this is another one that is canned and pretty widely available in the five boroughs even you Staten Island <laughs> we talked about before I must admit full disclosure I don't really care for Pilsners Nate does to a lesser degree more of a degree probably than me but not to a great amount no, I don't know if I would say that I haven't had that many Pilsners nor do I Typically, just to have a lot of Budweiser all at once. Budweiser's not a pilsner. I mean, it, it, it aspires to be one. That's what I mean. If it had a style, it would be closer to a pilsner, right? right? There is a name for that style. It's called a American Macro Lager. Right. Okay. It has a 
somewhat similarity to a sure. real pilsner. Yeah, totally. Because a pilsner is a is the first light beer, the first light color beer, not light as in calorie, which is actually a legal term. Like if your beer has too many calories, you can't mm-hmm. legally call it light beer. I believe it's 125 per 12 ounce serving pilsner from the Czech pe- my people, the Czechs. They uh, invented it when they figured out a way to dry malt without burning it. Because okay. back in the back in the day, um, you to get the you know, your partially sprouted or malt, you have to wet it, and then it starts like, germinates or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck the word is for that, and it starts to sprout a little bit, and then you heat it so it doesn't. But if you if you don't do that, then it doesn't produce the same sugars that you need. So then you heat it over a fire, which is going to smoke it or char it. And people kind of invented these things to like, like sort of like a tumble dryer. Hmm. Where it, it doesn't actually touch the the, the the surface of the flame too much and it doesn't burn, and that's how you can actually get a light color beer. So most beers you have today, even dark colored beers, the majority of the malts that are used are light colored malts. Okay. If you put so like if you make a big stout, like a huge imperial stout, like a fifteen percent alcohol stout that has twenty five pounds of malt in it for a home brew, like a five gallon batch, so that's a shit ton of malt. Maybe five pounds of it is roasted malt. So hmm. most beers now use this. So thank you, okay. people of, at the time was like. Austria, or whatever. The Austro-Hungarian Empire. It wasn't even that yet because it, it was still just Austria. Well, because the um, Holy Pils- Roman Empire Pilsner was invented in like 1842 or something like that. And uh, I know from uh, when I had to learn about my family on Ancestry.com, who are not a sponsor of the show, but could be. They, the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire was only formed in like the 1880s or something like that. Well, Austria was a thing in Hungary. Was yeah, a totally. Thing, but they like only the, joined together at that time. Yes, two countries, one cup. Only happened <laughs> after <laughs> after that. Um, so anyway, uh, Pilsner. This is a this is a fine beer. This is fine, yeah, again totally. since it's summertime, it's hot as all balls outside. This is a great beer to sit for a bar- sit for a barbecue, mowing the lawn kind of thing. It is not my go to kind of beer when I want to sit at a bar and have beers, but that's just me personally. Because we try much crazier things than this. I need the heron of beers. Yep. But this Crazy. is nice. It has a nice clean flavor to it. Definitely like a grassy kind of thing. But so I'm what's very excited one? about this. One. This is when they're limited cans. It's called. Observation, which kind of applies to Dune, because Paul was damn good at observing. Yes, definitely. And this is an indie part of his Benny Gesserit training. Yes, and we're going to use that right now on this beer. <laughs> I'm going to turn the molecules into other beers. Indeed. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, very nice. That has almost like a um, thickness to it. I would just like to point out that you made fun of me for describing a beer as thick. Because I don't know how many episodes ago, because but I you said, did. Because the word you meant was viscous, or because we thought you were talking about a penis. But <laughs> the <laughs> it's a beer tastes girthy. I barely get it in my mouth. No, but there's like, um, I guess with the, right, the right term is like, there's a bigger body to this, certainly than the Pilsner. Although, how much, because now that we've been to a bunch of breweries, having like extremely fresh beer, I'm starting to realize there is a major difference between what you get at a brewery and what you get in the store. Big time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm now starting to realize that freshness really does matter. Because I've had a lot of just beer, you know, from the shelf in bottles. You know, just see our other episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but definitely the beer at the breweries tastes different. Even the IP, even if it's just a regular IPA, even if it's just a regular, like, any style, it definitely tastes different. Well, certain, so as you age beers, certain qualities kind of diminish and certain things get bigger. And um, hop flavor is one that dissipates really quickly. So if you have, like, a beer cellar. IPAs mm-hmm. are the thing you definitely don't want to put in there, or any hop-heavy beer. Whereas stouts kind of mature, especially imperial stouts. The big, mm-hmm. the big ones often come in really hot, meaning uh, high alcohol taste, you know, like a burn almost to them, and that mellows out over time, and they balance out. So that's one quality, but also I think beers that you have in the keg at a brewery are unpasteurized. Hmm. So like the flavors yes. are just more, 
I imagine intense. It might be the word. Maybe that's part of it. I, I want to say it's better. Like I would the freshness I 100% is definitely better. better. So when I went to uh, a different brewery uh, in over there the last summer, I guess it was now, I went to the Dogfish Head Brewery in Milton, Delaware, and I had 60-minute IPA there on tap that was, like, fresh out of the fucking A beer thing. you've had out of a can many times. Can out of a bottle and many bottle times. and keg. I've had it in every form I could get. I've had it on kegs at Roseanne Bar. <laughs> I had, and, I, and I loved it. I had it on tap, and it was like, this is revelatory, and I've not been able to enjoy it in bottles the same way since. It was just so fucking much better. So I think you're right. Like, there is something about the freshness. So you definitely owe it to yourself to come on down to your local brewery where you are, because that mm-hmm. is the best form of the beer you're going to get, unless it's their 17% alcohol imperial stout that you're going to age for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, except for that. Every other style, it's probably going to be better fresh at the brewery. Yeah. But this is a great IPA. This is very good. I'm glad that I bought... Well, you know what? You can't actually have this one. I bought the last four-pack in, in the brewery. <laughs> you did, yeah. I did. I'm not exaggerating. Like... Someone bought one. We came in. There's a fridge of stuff to go. And there's like a guy who had a baby in one arm and bought a four pack, of the second to last four pack. And Mike totally was like, "I'm buying that last one right I, now." We can't. I was gonna buy it to take home and like let's find a book for this later. I was like, I can't risk it. So we just uh, we bought it. And uh, the bar staff here is amazing, and they were willing to hold it behind a counter for me. I was like, you know, let me get one of those now because why the fuck not? Why not? Yeah, and we're here. And I looked, I glanced over at the fridge, and it, they hadn't put any more out there. Like, that was it. So you'll just have to know what we said about this beer. Sorry. It was good. It was, <laughs> that was a good beer. It's really good. But the observation is key in this book for Paul Atreides. Atreides. For sure. So back to the question, who should read this fucking book? I guess fantasy nerds. If you yeah. like fantasy, if you like the big... Fantas- now, notice it's fantasy nerds, not science fiction nerds. I consider myself... A science fiction nerds and science fiction nerd. Singular. You are multiple nerds. Singular. <laughs> Beer, I've had more than one. Um, I consider myself a science fiction nerd, and this one really doesn't, it doesn't do the things that a science fiction book does. Well, that's the, yeah. So we were talking about before. Is it a science book or a fantasy book? The distinction doesn't like, matter so much. It, it usually. isn't. Because both of which, I mean, you could also, you could always argue that, you know, even the futuristic technology is an element of fantasy that is like mm, very that is very fanciful because obviously it's not real so it must be fantasy even though it's science and I'm well, doing air quotes with my with my fingers as I'm saying that I'm glad you weren't doing air quotes with your penis Mary <laughs> <laughs> because you know the the moment you mention like an electron then oh no it's science it's science fiction yeah but if you say magic it's fantasy mm-hmm. that's really the difference yep pretty much but this one feels much more like a fantasy book so you it know does. if you like if you re- so Game of Thrones is a different type of fantasy. If you really like Lord of the Rings, you really like uh, The Wheel of Time, if you really like other big fantasy um, stuff. Other big fantasy that, books. I mean, lo- I mean lots, of, lots of things that I just can't think of because I haven't read. But uh, if you really like that kind of stuff, this is probably the book for you. If the reason why you read books is because of the story, which obviously everybody does that, but if, if that is the one thing you're looking for, an exciting adventure story, sure, go for it. You know, I was going to cheat, and I was going to try to edit it so we sounded smarter and say, oh, like other fantasy book series, like blah, 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 blah. So I Googled fantasy book series, and the 10th book series that comes up Dune. Dune. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a fantasy. Dark it's Tower it. is 11. Oh, fuck Dark Tower. That was right? dumb, too. Oh, The Blade itself. I read that. That was a good one. I like those. So if you like that kind of thing, then sure, maybe this is fine. Maybe this is fine. I think if you appreciate you kind of have to be willing to surrender to this giant world and as a visitor where you don't know anything up front and you have to learn it as you go along so if you want to do that with Dune you'll appreciate it I just didn't I mean I that's guess I didn't all these big happening. books the big fantasy 
books are just like that. And if you really like it, sure, this will be just your thing. I wanted to like it. I really did. Yeah, I, I really did too. I, I When I was reading it, I talked to a coworker and he was like, oh, I love Dune. And I was like, really? Because it sucks. It's porn. Like, let me tell you, one of... We had a this like most of the times when we record our episodes, the the recording date is fairly flexible. Mm-hmm. But we were recording this one at Rockway Brewing on so, like a specific day. Yeah, where they that was set it. up a month in advance, or five or six weeks actually. Yeah. So I was like, well, you we can't really move that. So I have to finish Dune by this date. And so I was like, well, I have plenty of time. You know, I've read eight hundred page books before. We read a hundred books a year. You know, we're pretty good. Can read pretty fast too. So I was like, all right, I'll start it. And then I just was like, oh, this is this is so boring. I finished a chapter. And I read on my Kindle where I have like another 2,000 books I don't want to read. It's like, let me just start anything else. So by the time I finished Dune, I had four other books started that I had made <laughs> progress into. Like I gotta, they're kind of fucked myself because now I have to read those books because I will not quit on a book that I've started. Free yourself. No, no. Because it's a slippery, dangerous thing. If I start that, then I'll never finish anything. <laughs> you know, like, ah, fuck this book. I feel like, I think we talked about this before, I have like a pretty good track record. I think the most books I pick up, I don't pick up too many things I've never heard anything about. So 50% of the time, when I, even a book that starts shitty, when I finish it, I'm, I could say I'm glad I read that for one reason or another, whether it's because it ended up being entertaining or I felt like I learned something or I felt like I have a better, I mean, this is the same idea, but I have a better understanding of the genre because it's an important book mm-hmm. in the genre or something like that, which is, I could say for Dune, I guess, to some extent. For sure. Very influential. Um, and then probably it's only like maybe like one in 10 books I get to the end of it and I'm like that was a turd I hate that I finished that Mike keeps telling me because I am the opposite I will give up a book I will put a book down and never pick it up like a baby Moses just drop that shit right away (laughs) Mike keeps telling me no if you just most books if you just hang in there it gets good and I mean he is right about that but it's hard it's a big hurdle because you know most books published before like 1970 that rule applies to Mm -hmm. anything published in the last 10 and 20 or 30 years Probably not, yeah. because publishing is so cheap and easy now, and especially with like ebooks, where you can get you know oh ninety nine cents get this person's book by a guy you've never heard of with one star re- you know one five star review by the author. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for our future episode, <laughs> where we're gonna kind of do that. Although I think from what I hear, the book is actually okay. Yeah, so that's actually really exciting. Um, but yeah, most although that could easily come out before this. Okay. Not necessarily. We don't know. We don't. Yeah. Nobody knows. No one knows. The spice is playing tricks with our minds. <laughs> <laughs> or the beer. One of the two. Spiced beer. Uh, well, actually, nothing we had was a spiced beer, except for the pepper. Well, they didn't see peppercorns. It's a pepper notes. The pepper. And That's probably I couldn't taste yeast. it. So I guess if you're into the high fantasy, big worlds where you have to figure shit. Like, it's almost like an element of mystery to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to kind of figure shit. Like, what the hell is a Maldive? And in those epigraphs in the beginning of each chapter, like, what the hell do those mean? You don't understand for a long time. So here's an example. Stephen Colbert, who I am definitely always been been a big fan of. He is a super Lord of the Rings nerd. And on a somewhat recent show, mentioned to somebody, you know, oh, and then Dune. He's And he specifically said, oh, yeah, I started it five times before I finally got into it. But once I got into it, it was good. And then that's what he said. But he's also a super Lord of the Rings nerd. Like, he is the kind of thing where... Uh, that's the kind of person who would really like this book. Which you and mean, even he had to start it five times before he I mean, really liked I it. I tried starting Dune once before this. But I, I started in, it twice before I this. was in middle school, and I was not, I mean, I was not a stupid kid. No oh God. But I was just not, I, I had no idea. I was like, oh, that's a famous book, and it's a big book. And I was like, at the time, I was like, I want to read a large book because I feel good about myself for doing that, I guess. I and I, mean, I started The Wheel of Time in middle school, and I totally loved it when I was in middle school. I'm not a fan of those. And uh, maybe, maybe just my perspective now as a much, as older and much older, much, you can be much older. Okay. I am much older. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm as we've established, 
dog fuckingly old. So. <laughs> That's a good callback. Yeah, it's, it is. I can't believe that your advanced age, your memory works that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, my tastes and my sort, sort of, oh my God, sophistication as a reader is definitely much, that changed a lot from when I was in fifth grade and started The Wheel of Time. But I really think at least that series does a much better job of earning uh, sort of, even though it has a huge story, it really makes you care about the characters better than this does. It did. I actually read the first two of those, and I thought they were okay. I just thought they were way too long. There was like, oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, was like, get to the point already. Yeah, de- definitely. And I've, I've read them all because I got, I was interested in the story and wanted to know what happened next. But it earned it. Like the, it, it's, and by that I mean it. It started out with only one character, right? And then point. got into just that one character and used like that character's perspective to explain what's going on in the world. And then crazy stuff happened to them. And then you started to care about: Are they going to survive this? Are you, are they going to be okay? And then oh wait, what's going to happen next? Okay, this is weird. And so that's the way the whole series started. Whereas Dune started with. Here's four pages about Paul, and here's four pages about Jessica, and here's four pages about Idaho, and then here's four pages about another random Duke person. Lido. Duke Leto. Duke Leto. Dr. U.S. Four pages about Aaron another Harkonnen. person. And it's, I, it's just uh, not the Fuf- right way. Fufir Hawat, or whatever. We didn't even yeah, talk right. about that guy. And it doesn't really do such a good job of really explaining what's going on with all the backstory and all the like world building. It doesn't really tell you. And... Not in a way that makes you want to know more. It just is like, I do not know what these fucking stupid words mean. I, I, uh, th- I think that's a strategy, though, to, to like world build. Like, because in real life... I'm going to introduce a term that I'm not going to explain very well. I mean, I think it is too, except when it's done well, you want to keep reading to know mm-hmm. what that means. And in Dune, it, I didn't care. I, I agree. I didn't care. That, that's the main problem. I didn't care with the book. As you may have known from listening to our past episodes or future episodes, because who knows when they're coming out, in Lord of the Rings, you know, they just kind of the same thing. You know, like they just start using all sorts of goofy words and shit and you have to figure them out. They speak in Quenya and all that nonsense. Sure. And, uh, well, I'm sure I will have or did say this in our Lord of the Rings <laughs> episodes. Well, that because spice. I already knew what was going on in Lord of the Rings, I was able to, when I read it, still care about the characters. And partly because I already knew that and I think that that totally changed my perspective on reading it, and that's not really fair because you shouldn't have to make a three hundred million dollar movie about it to care about the fucking book first. Like that doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be the way things go. But that's what happened. So you're saying our failure was by not watching the shitty Sting version of Dune. That maybe I should have done that first. We should have watched that and then the crappy TV movie from like two thousand three. That's why I tried to read the book actually. Now that I think about it, like. That was like they were filming it or something when I was in middle school, like eighth grade. And I was like, really? I think so, because I like, oh, they're making a movie out of this. And I'm like, I'm going to see that. And let me read the book first, because that's what smart people do. Like, this is terrible. Is, is Kevin Bacon in the movie? I have no idea. I've never been watching any of them. That's what I associate. He's not in the first one. He might be okay, in the TV. I one. might I don't be completely so. imagining this. Probably. Okay, I'll have to cut that. Leave it in there. Fine. The, the, the space Muslims can't eat bacon. So, I don't know. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc or uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram at that website slash drunkguysbookclub. And if you are really drunk enough to still be listening at this point, please leave us a review as long as it's five stars. Yeah, and whatever service. And uh, tell us, you know, you can tell us what you think, but put five stars. Yeah, for sure. So Say we- it's shit. As long as it's five stars, that's fine with us. And we're we're hoping five stars yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs>